This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Jets at the All-Star break. Slow night in the National Hockey League, but uh, lots to chop up today on the program. You know, with the Jets being quiet this week, we are going to talk about our second favorite topic on this program, the Los Angeles Kings and what's happening in L.A. Um, Dennis Bernstein is going to jump on with us at the bottom of the hour. Um, Be very interested to hear from D.B., as to how it has gotten this bad in Tinseltown and what might be on the line for the Kings tomorrow night in their final game before they go on the All-Star break as it pertains to head coach Todd McClellan. Um, What the heck is up with PLD and how has it fallen apart this badly after such a great start for the Los Angeles Kings? So, um, we'll have some fun with that. Mike McIntyre will jump on with us and we'll hit, you know, a number of Jets topics uh, with the Jets heading into the break um, and looking ahead to uh, this next month post All-Star game heading into the trade deadline in particular as to, as to potential Jet targets um, and how this team might shake out once the roster is finalized, pushing to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh Nice news for the Moose. They finally got a couple wins on the weekend. It had been a really, really rough run in 2024 for Manitoba. Um, But Dan Fink, the voice of the Moose, is going to join us from the road as well. Um, The Moose coming off wins on the weekend in Rockford and in Chicago are back in Rockford tonight. Um, So uh, the Fink will come on. We'll hear a little bit from him as to uh, what, uh, what's what been wrong with the Moose and, uh, you know, maybe if they've turned the corner and how they got those wins on the weekend as well as a little update on uh, the likes of Brad Lambert and more of the Jets' prospects. So uh, should be a fun show. Great to have you all with us. Shout out to everybody in chat joining us even during a slower week for the Winnipeg Jets. And a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Cool Bet Canada. Princess Auto, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Sport Manitoba with Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries, uh, Little Brown Jug, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, the Winnipeg Jets, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, and of course, Modern Man Barbershops. Let's get uh, Michael Remus in here to get this show on the road. Remo, how are you feeling today? Yeah, I feel good. It's warm out, so I'm pretty good. Um, bad and but just a weird time. You can get caught up on a lot of stuff. With no hockey, one game yesterday, no Monday night football yesterday. That's been off for a bit, but it's kind of nice having a week off, take care of some things, do some laundry. I'm good, ready, ready to talk, whatever uh, whatever may come up today as the Jets are off, and well, we're not quite at CFL free agency and all-star game coming up this weekend. Hey, uh, just quickly, I mean, you're uh, the man of the gram. Do we have updates on uh, where the Jets are all right now? Have we uh, already gotten a bunch of, uh, you know, like beach pictures? Oh. Or, I do. I do. We have not talked about this before, but I had a feeling that Remus would probably have an update kay. with you on what's going Should on. Should we go through it? Yes. I saw, yes. Okay. Josh Morrissey, I saw, was in Mexico. Nice. So I saw that going to warm weather. Um, Let's see. Oh, Hellebuck is in Disney right now. I guess heading before the All Star game. 
Yes. And I think we, we did know about that. Somebody, maybe Chuck told us that. Chuck, we got it in, we got it in now. <laughs> That's right. Hellebuck Insider. Chuck Hellebuck. Chuck Hellebuck. Um, and I saw, well, Declan Chisholm had a dinner with his girlfriend or I don't know, with his wife, fiance, I don't know their situation, but they had a nice dinner and said two new beginnings. On his Instagram story, that was occupied. But other than that, I haven't seen a lot. You know, Kyle Connor posts stuff on their Ehlers, and it is our duty, it's part of our job, to follow the Winnipeg Jets on Instagram and report on what they're up to during this All Star break. So we'll have to wait and see. Oh, here's this Mark Shafley. Uh, oh, that's not it. Okay, Turn no, your I notifications don't... on. Notifications I, on. I'm not doing the right. breaking news. I don't have the notifications on on the Jets account. So yeah, we know Josh Morrissey's in uh, Mexico. I think it was in Mexico or somewhere. Somewhere warm, and so does Hellbuck. He's in Disney. That's all I got. Yeah, comments uh, or uh, someone said, "Oh, is uh, is Jomo hanging with Kenny?" Mm -hmm. uh, Lynn Reimer. I have a feeling no. Uh, although. Although Ken is a very popular guy with uh, with all the guys in the uh, in the scrum as well, so yes, the Jets are scattering all over, going to some warm spots for uh, for a few days. Um, there still are a few teams playing tonight. There's two games in the National Hockey League tonight. Um, not particularly great matchups either. Columbus is in St. Louis. The Blues are hot though. The Blues have won five in a row, including three straight overtime games. They get Columbus heading into the break. That could be a trap game. <laughs> that could be a trap game. Tell me that Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, and those guys don't have the plane waiting and idling for them right after the game tonight. That's often something that happens around this time in the National Hockey League. But they played themselves into a wild card spot. That's an important two points to get heading into the break for St. Louis. And a similar situation for the Kraken tonight. They're taking on the San Jose Sharks. Um, but we'll get to those later on. We'll do a quick... Uh, Quick recap of what's up. I know the Raptors are playing the Bulls tonight when we get to the cool bet lines a little bit later on. Um, you know, you mentioned the Winnipeg Jets, and the, the one guy that is no longer a Jet is Declan Chisholm. And, you know, for folks that, you know, maybe joined us later on, that news broke just as we went on the air yesterday. So it was sort of, in some ways, the top story. Um, I know there's been some reaction. You know, when things like this happen, you sort of expect that, there might be uh oh, listen, there's always a set center, a, a part of the fan base that wonder um, that maybe can't wrap their heads around, you know, why it happened. Um, and, I mean, it was a numbers game and he was in the, in the wrong spot. Now there's a lot of people that aren't big fans of Logan Stanley that wishes it was Stanley instead of Declan Chisholm. But as we talked about with Jeff Hamilton, uh, you know, Remo uh, yesterday, when you're looking at depth defensemen for the playoffs, knowing that you've got Billy Hanela coming in and probably playing ahead of Declan Chisholm in that first man into the lineup uh, position. I mean, I, 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 some will agree, some won't agree <clears throat> with it, excuse me. But that is basically the situation, that Logan Stanley has a very different role than a guy like Declan Chisholm or Billy Hanela. And if um, some of the big guys are out, they want to keep that guy around in case they need to play him. I mean, do I think Logan has a long-term future with the Jets? Personally, no. Um, could he potentially be included in trade at the deadline? Potentially, yes. But all things being equal, when they're lining up their nine or ten guys, knowing that they've also got Kyle Capabianco playing well with the Manitoba Moose, who could be 
a player similar to a Declan Chisholm role. The guy that they uh, decided to hang on was Logan Stanley. But uh, it is it is it is the beauty of working in a Canadian market where every single member of the roster is evaluated with a fine-tooth comb by the fans. And uh, I'm not surprised that it was uh, the story that it was yesterday because we'd been sort of talking about it and waiting mm-hmm. for it to happen all year. What's surprising is that it took as long as it did. To yeah, we've been waiting for this to happen for a couple of years, saying they had too many defense. I think it was last summer, and they stand pat and didn't do anything. And this year as well. And now a lot of times you have so many injuries on defense. There's been years where you know they're going way down the depth chart. That didn't happen. This year, he didn't get in, and, you know, Villy was healthy. You know, one injury was Villy Hainel, a guy who was still ahead of him on the depth chart. So, uh, you know, he's kind of the odd man out here, and, you know, it's, you know, we've been following this guy's development with the Moose for a while, talking about him, waiting for him to do something, but there just wasn't a spot. And for Minnesota, uh, according to Michael Russo in The, in the Athletic, uh, a number of teams put in a, pl- a claim, but the Wild, who are 27th in the NHL, they had first dibs among the lowest standing of teams, and he speculates as well. The Jets tried to sneak him through much of the league on, on the bye. Uh, and then just goes in and talks about their numbers. But yeah, they said for Minnesota, he's expected to play games and will assume a spot on the second power play unit. If he's a regular, he'll get in over Alex Goligoski. And maybe they'll put, uh, as a corresponding move, put John Merrill or Dakota Mermis on waivers soon. So that's. Yeah, I would think that Mermis might be. He uh, was in there at the start of the year when they had some injury issues. Listen, it's a good opportunity for Chiz. Um, you know, he's going to a spot that, I mean, he probably is going to get a chance to play. And, I mean, if you're an NHL player, especially a guy like him who'd been in the, with the Moose and had been with the club all year long that just couldn't get into the lineup, you just want a chance to show what you can do and maybe earn a contract somewhere else um, for next season. I mean, the Wild situation might be significantly different next year based on Spurgeon coming back. He's the captain of their team. I mean, a big, big part of everything they do on the back end. But while he's gone, I think it's a great opportunity for Chisholm to uh, to play and be interesting to see him wearing a Minnesota Wild jersey coming up on February 20th, 20th on a, uh, a highly anticipated game for Winnipeg Jet fans for reasons that most of you are well aware of. A lot of bad blood between uh, between these two clubs. And, and yeah, Jay Miller, the Wild, had one of the first cracks at him uh, because the Wild are not having a good season. When you look at the standings right now in the National Hockey League and you choose to do it by league because it goes in reverse, there was only five teams that had a crack at Declan Chisholm before the Minnesota Wild. And those teams are, well, the Blackhawks, the Sharks, the Ducks, the Blue Jackets, and the Senators. Um, The Wild, 47 points in 49 games right now are... I guess that makes them 26th in the National Hockey League, 32 or 27th in the National Hockey League. But as um, as Russo said, there were some other teams that also placed a claim on Declan Chisholm, which isn't surprising. Uh, I think that he had enough of a reputation coming from his time in the American Hockey League. The teams were interested in him. I'm sure his name has been bandied about when the Jets have been talking to other teams about potential moves and listen people pay attention to other teams rosters their salary cap their depth chart and realize that something's got to give at some point and it did um 
But as they say, nice opportunity for Declan Chisholm. We wish him well. And uh, this does open up a spot. And someone was just asking in chat whether the Jets are going to go 14-7, like 14 forward, 7 defense after the break. <clears throat> we'll see about that. Um, I, I do think that whether it's right after the break or at some point leading in, I think we're going to see Billy Hanela back with the Winnipeg Jets now that Chisholm's gone. And I think at that point, you know, Billy probably works into a few games um, because, I mean, there's a very good chance that they're going to need Billy towards the end of the season and certainly in the playoffs. Um, and you're going to want to have him get some games in in the big league. So um, I would imagine that that will be the case. But things will, will be a little clearer once Shifley and Gustafson come back. Um, you know, do they wave? I think Axel's the first guy up. But do they send Toninato back down? Um, he was the last guy up. I don't think they'll expose Kupari. I think he'd be picked up almost for sure. I think there's probably a better chance of Dominic Toninato clearing waivers. He did earlier this season. Um, but anyways, we'll get into that with Mike uh, with Mike McIntyre a little later on. Um, Reem, we uh, saw American, uh, American Elliot Friedman talking about the Coyote situation earlier today. Yeah, it's coming up since... Salt Lake, uh, Ryan Smith, you know, the prospective owner there put out that, you know, well-timed press release saying, hey, they're ready for an expansion t- uh, expansion team. And you kind of speculated on this, that he's just setting the stage more so for an Arizona relocation saying, hey, we're ready. And Elliot Friedman was on with Jeff Merrick today, as you said, and it's the all-star break coming up. And I think this was kind of a soft deadline here for the Coyotes to kind of soft deadlines for Arizona. A, yeah, and and he's Elliot noted that yeah, it's pretty any deadline with them is written in like crayon or erasable pen, pencil, whatever. And uh, yeah, because you know, the, hey, they want need to have stuff sorted out for next year. Like they don't have a home. How long are they gonna be playing in Mullet Arena, which what is a five thousand seat arena? And he said they're not really close on anything. And there's some land auction. They're going to try to get on. When I hear land auction, I think of Happy Gilmore trying to get his grandma's house back at the end of the movie, and uh, Shooter McGavin comes in and snipes it. But but uh, there's really no timeline for Arizona, so I don't know. It just seems like you have an owner in Salt Lake ready to take on the team, and you know the NHL he said, also noted the NHL is not really going to give up on Arizona. It's a huge market, and maybe they kind of just – move the Coyotes somewhere and try to get him in on expansion because these expansion fees, these owners are making so much money on them. It's hard to say no. So I think it's, it's time Hus. you know, let's put this Arizona saga to bed. And I said, more importantly, here's why we're invested because the Winnipeg Jets 1.0 records are still in Arizona. And so if they move Salt Lake, they have no use for those. Bring them here. I'm tired of saying Ilya Kovalchuk is the rookie goal scoring leader. Tired of that. We need well, Solani's. That like that. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. Solani's number would top Ilya Kovalchuk for sure. But I think the Thrasher records are going to be with us no matter what. Yeah, that's fine. But I'm just saying it's so yeah. strange that you have Powerchuk statue, Solani Newman in, in the rafters, and it's like. The all-time points leader, Ilya Kovalchuk, or like Mar- Marian Hossa, or whoever it is. So let's let's get back to uh, the real stuff. But that's the state oh, wow. of the Coyotes' uh, 
Coyotes, yeah, what's going and, on? And listen, I, I went, I, I talked about this extensively last week. I mean, for everyone thinking that this was about expansion, I mean, at some point, maybe, but this isn't. This is right now about the Coyotes. And in that press release that they put out, they made it very clear that they're ready to host a team right now. Uh, and that is key. That was basically what the Winnipeg group did, what True North did behind the scenes with the Atlanta Thrashers. Um, and I would imagine that this will be, like this is a lot more on the table right now than it was with Atlanta. I mean, I think that caught a lot of people by surprise um, because they didn't have this crazy saga of trying to get a building and playing in a forty-four hundred seat building. I mean, we know all we know all the history. Um, but while it was put forth, like, oh, is there going to be a thirty-third team? I mean, at some point, maybe. But that is not what this is about at all. This is about putting the pressure on Arizona, letting them know that there is an option for them to move. They don't want to keep this going. The PA doesn't want to keep this going. So as I said last week, I fully expect the Coyotes to be in Utah next year. And the one thing that Elliot said today that I mentioned last week, I mean, they're not totally giving up on this Arizona market. They put so much into it. They think hockey can succeed there. Uh, and with a proper building in a proper location, I actually agree. Um, but they're so far away from that right now. They can't wait a number of more years to for this group to potentially get it done. I think what happens is that team moves to moves to Utah, and then over the next few years, they try to get their ducks in a row, get a building, whether it's the same ownership right now or whether it's new ownership, and have expansion go into Phoenix at some point when the table is set to actually succeed as opposed to we where they've been for the last 20 number of years. Interesting quote from Ezzy here. What up, Ez? Happy anniversary to Illegal Curve, by the way. Big one coming up. 15 years for the fellows since they started kicking around hockey talk back on the old UW station coming up this Saturday. That should be a lot of fun. Ezzy's got a take, though, here. Uh, Harkins doesn't bother me as much, but Chisholm, Ezimont, Kovacevic were bad asset management. These guys are not top players, but they are depth guys. I mean, I don't know. I'll push back a little bit. I mean, well, what what was the option to do with Declan Chisholm? Like, what what else could they have done? I mean, at a certain point, I mean, if it's not him, who? And I mean, you would say the same thing. And again, we can talk about Chisholm or Stanley. I mean, we're, the bottom line is, and this happened to Calgary twice last week. I mean, you can only have 23 players on your roster. And if you've done a good job of getting guys that actually can play in the NHL, the bad news is there's a lot of other teams that don't have that number of players, and it's built for players to get a chance elsewhere. I mean, the Mikey Essimont one, it's been amazing to see how Essimont, you know, what he has turned into. Um, but in a lot of ways, Vlad Nemestikov is that Essimont spot right now. Um, I think they're pretty happy with him. They did give up a, bit of a later a later pick, but... Um, like, I don't really know what the options is. I mean, there obviously wasn't any takers in trades for these guys. So what do you do? Yeah, I kind of agree with you as well. Like, there's not really much value for a, for a trade. I think it goes back to, you know, a couple of years ago when they traded for uh, Dylan and Schmidt and then re-signed Pionk. Their defense was locked up for the foreseeable future with DeMello and Morrison, you really basically just had one spot, and you have to think, okay, how are you going to manage your salary cap? Are you going to have uh, an expensive, you know, third pair D, or are you going to try to fit, you know, maybe two min price guys there and try to have reallocate some of that salary on forward? But they've gone 
with this as their defense. And I mean, for a fringe NHL player like that, I mean, there's, there's not much value in a trade. So I kind of agree. They're kind of, it's like when you're in a fantasy league and like, no one's going to trade you for this guy who's like borderline waiver wire. So you just have to drop him and like, and then someone picks him up and then someone picks him up basically. And, you know, he might end up being like pretty good or, or serviceable D man, but there's a couple guys ahead of him. Like he's pulling away on the bench. So I agree that it's, it's certainly not ideal, but we're talking about what eighth, like ninth defenseman here. Well, and here's the question. I mean, when was Declan Chisholm ever getting in the Winnipeg Jet lineup with Billy Hanel and now healthy and being ready to play? Yeah. I mean, and I think that if they were putting Chisholm in, and we we heard this last week when we were talking about Morrissey potentially not being uh, not being in the game, when we had that conversation, okay, well, if Morrissey's out, who goes in? Both of these guys haven't played in forever. They've been with the club doing everything that's been asked of them, though. In, in Stanley and Chisholm. And then you got Billy Hainala, who was ahead of them when camp broke. He got hurt. He's back. He's playing with the Manitoba Moose. I mean, what makes sense? I mean, the vast majority of people wanted Billy Hainala. Well, guess what? If you want Billy Hainala in there, that's bad news for Declan Chisholm. So that's sort of where things stand uh, when it comes to that. We'll, we'll talk about it with Mike. We'll see what his take is on, on it. But um, as I said, right now, um, the Jets roster crunch was going to happen at some point, and it, it it was funny that they they finally went and put one of those players on on the Sunday going into the player break, maybe thinking that was their best chance because would they love to have him as a depth player to be on your American hockey team? For sure, but guess what? If those guys aren't waivers exempt, someone else can pick them up, and the Minnesota Wild did. Uh, going forward. Hey, Remo, quick CFL note. Um, you know, we heard yesterday reports that Jackson Jeffcoat is going to wait until free agency to see what is out there for him. There has not been any real reports of movement or progress, if you will, with Brady Oliveira or Dalton Schoen. And Farhan just fired this out. The running back market should be an interesting one because while Brady Oliveira still doesn't have a contract and can go to the highest bidder, Ouellette, Stanback, Morrow, and Carey, basically all of the top running backs in the league seemingly will be available. And William Stanback's available right now to the highest bidder as he's been released by the Montreal Alouettes. Yeah, um, very interesting. And yeah, the Jackson Jeffcoat, that was John Hodge putting that out there yesterday saying, Hey, he's going to try and test free agency. C and you know, Jackson Jeffco, the, you know, has been awesome on the bombers defense, some issues with staying healthy, but when he's in the lineup, uh, he's great. And, uh, John Hodge saying he will not resign before the window opens and a return to Winnipeg remains possible, but it appears the 33 year old wants to find out what other options are available. And I'm curious, uh, you know, if, What's going to happen with him? But this running back market, very interesting you know, with so many quality players available. William Stanback, uh, very strong with Montreal. Kadeem Carey at Calgary. Morrow was a nice dual threat back for Saskatchewan. And I'll, I'll while well, uh, you know, he, he was pretty good with Toronto last year as well. So I wonder if we're going to see a nice running back carousel. What does that mean for Brady? What does it mean? Uh, for the money around, it seems like the supply might be greater than uh, the demand there. 
or you're going to get into some bitty wongers or who's going to be left. What is it? It's like musical chairs here. Huss. No doubt. No doubt. I got, well, as I said, we'll, we'll have a little more on this later on this week. Uh, and then next week, the negotiating period opens and then uh, free agency on the 13th of February. Um, as he's back in, so you're okay with drafting a player, developing him for three years, and then losing him for nothing. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, as I said, what what's the other option? I mean, you can't get extra spaces on your roster. I mean, if you're if a guy is ninth on your depth chart, I mean, this happens all the time. I mean, I, yeah, I I just don't see what the what the alternative is. I mean, would you like to get something for him? Absolutely. But if there's no takers and no one's offering you anything for a guy that you know you don't have room for, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't really see what the alternative is. I mean, I guess you could go and you could put somebody else on waivers, but you're likely going to lose them. Um, I don't know. I just find people make a lot about this when uh, it's just the way business is done in the National Hockey League. There's tons of guys on waivers. There's tons of waiver claims all year long. I mean, the Jets have been one of the teams that historically have been picking guys up off waivers. Axel Janssen Fjellby is a perfect example of that. He was drafted and developed elsewhere. He got picked up off waivers, came in, contributed to the Jets, and has stayed here with them. So, um, I mean, at the end of the day, I think you just got to be happy for a player that was not going to play. Like, what was Declan Chisholm going to do for the Winnipeg Jets if there wasn't, like, three injuries on the blue line? Eat popcorn. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not getting too bent out of shape about it, although uh, apparently some are. Um, listen, let uh, uh, we got Dennis Bernstein coming up right now, and uh, I can't wait to talk to Dennis. It has been wild seeing what's happening right now with the uh with the los angeles kings and uh, and our old pal pierre luc dubois but um let me give a shout out to our friends at canadian club canada's favorite canadian whiskey for their support of winnipeg sports talk winnipeg whiskey festival coming up we'll have more details in the next couple days on a special offer for uh an event i think we're going to be a part of down at the manitoba sports hall of fame looking forward to that if you're down at your local manitoba liquor marts check out all the canadian club favorites original canadian club 100 percent rye and canadian club classic 12 year old and don't forget still limited availabilities of the cc invitation series 15 year old sherry cask the signature cc classic 12 year old whiskey finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry casks, all the hallmarks of classic Canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. Pick it up right now at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, and remember, always enjoy responsibly. Um, well, we're just about into February, and February's a big month for our friends over at Manitoba Battery. While they get all of you drivers through the Winnipeg winter with the best prices, the lowest prices on the best batteries in town. Um, demand has been such that they're opening up a new location. That's right. South Winnipeg, get ready because new Manitoba battery opening up next month on Dover court. Uh, we will have special sales and grand opening information for you in the next couple weeks. Look ahead to that, and in the meantime, for all of your battery needs, shopping local, getting the best price, beating the pants off the big box stores over and over again, and with free delivery for any purchase over 60 bucks inside the perimeter of Winnipeg, there's only one place to go for your battery needs, and it's a no-brainer, Manitoba Battery, manitobabattery.com, and give them a call at 204 783 8787 Gang, if you need to... Uh, 
maybe freshen up a little bit with a haircut or more, you got to pop down and see our pals at Modern Man Barbershops, uh, conveniently located somewhere near you because they've got eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look and make an appointment via modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow on Instagram at Modern Man Barbershops. And uh, hey, I'll give a quick shout-out before we bring in Dennis Bernstein to the gang at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Bookings are increasing for 2024. The calendar's thinning right now. So if you are thinking about a world-class fly-in fishing experience in Manitoba where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, get on it now. Go to AkinsLake.com and find out more about the world-class Akins experience, booking information, and more. And you can also check them out online on uh, social media, I should say, at, at Akins Lake on all your favorite platforms. Uh, all right, well, not everybody is on the player break. Um, the Los Angeles Kings still have one game to go. They probably cannot wait to get to the break. But tomorrow night, they will be in Nashville as uh, their season continues to spiral. And when we talk Kings, we talk all NHL, we love having DB on, but no one we love talking more about the team in silver and black. That's Dennis Bernstein, who joins us now from the fourth period. DB, looking good as always. Uh, how are you, my friend? I'm getting out of town, Hustler. It's nowhere to be when you're covering hockey these days. I'm doing great. Looking forward to a big all-star weekend in Toronto. And... Uh, just trying to figure out, like everybody else, why the struggles have been so bad here in Los Angeles. You know, Dennis, we, of course, have been paying attention to this since the start of the year. A sure. big trade between these two teams in the offseason. We saw the Kings come in in game three of the season and probably handle the Jets as well as any team has all season long. That was, of course, the game that Velarde got hurt as well. Yeah. But, I mean, a month, two months in... There was a little questions about what PLD is doing, when he's going to get going around, but the team was like right there at the top of the Western Conference. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't been paying attention, this team has absolutely flatlined. They have two wins in 16 games. I mean, it's a simple thing to ask, but I mean, wh what has happened to the Los Angeles Kings? Everything they were doing in the first 30 games, Hustler, they're not doing now. They're not getting depth scoring. They're not getting solid goaltending. They're not playing defense. So you could tick off everything. The only thing they're really doing well is the, the special teams have been great, which would be a little bit of a surprise because if you watch the Kings last year in the playoffs, it, the penalty kill cost them the playoffs against Edmonton. Uh, they have the number one penalty kill in the league. I think they're third in, in defense, but th they have been giving up more goals. So it's been a systematic failure. The players say they haven't quit on Todd McClellan, and I believe them. It's just the execution, also the commitment to playing defense and structure. I think that has a lot to do with it. And when you don't get any production from your bottom six in this league, and people find a way to stop your top six, you wind up losing two of sixteen games, winning two of sixteen games. Last week was particularly ugly. Um, they yeah. did get a two-one win against the Rangers, which you know you would have thought stopped the bleeding for a minute. And then, oh, great, you got the Sharks and Sabers next two games. Let's get things turned around. Yeah. Well, you lose to the Sharks 4-3. You lose to the Sabres 3-1 in a game that you were up 3-1. Did it feel like last week was rock bottom for the Kings? It has to be, Hustler. You mentioned the two teams. Like one point yeah. in, out of four against Buffalo and San Jose. 
Uh, and look, Rob Blake had a press conference on Thursday before when they lost to Nashville. And I asked him straight up, I said, look, you've done a lot of moves. You don't really have that many more moves to do except one move, which would be to replace the coach and Tom McClellan, who I haven't finished for. We've had a great relationship over the last five years. But when you lose to that extent, that was an option. And Rob said it's not an option. Uh, you know, you go out and you mentioned you went against the Rangers, a team they never played good against, to be honest with you. So that looked like the makings of, OK, you can start a little mini streak here before you get to the All-Star break. And and regardless, this team needed to get to the All-Star break to just figure out what's going on. And then they lose to San Jose and Buffalo at home. And then they get cr- See, here's the thing. People felt that they were going to make a move when they got crushed in Colorado. And I'm like, no, no, it's it's McKinnon, it's Rantanen, it's McCarr. That's not going to be the, the the genesis of replacing Todd. But I said the St. Louis and the Nashville games are, and what happened? Again, they lose in overtime. Hustle, they're 2-10 after 60 minutes. Like, if it's a coin flip uh, in hockey after, you know, once you go past regulation and you're 2 of 10, you can't win a shootout, you can't get a save, you, you can't get a goal in overtime. Now, that's what makes the Nashville game tomorrow really critical for this team probably more so for Todd McClellan than the team itself. And Todd gets it. He knows that you – Hustler, this team, some people pick, were picking to win the Stanley Cup in November, and they lose tomorrow. They, I think they might get passed for both wild cards, uh, although they're right on the precipice there. I, and it gives Rob Blake the opportunity to say, okay, I have to make a substantive change here. They're up against the bye week, and that's the one thing that people I, keep asking me. I said, well, they've got 10 days off here. If they wanted to make a move on the coach, that would be the optimal time to do it. Now, did they promote Marco Sturm from their AHA affiliate? Did they go get a, a Woodcroft or a Barube? I'm not really sure. Uh, but I do know that when, when you have, when you still play decent defense and your penalty kill is committed, they haven't quit on the coach. But it's a result-oriented business. And for a team that thought was a contender and was built to be a contender, to lose 15 to 17 if you lose tomorrow in Nashville, you, you have to, it almost forces Rob Blake's hand. Well, and you mentioned um, you mentioned the Predators in that. Now, I mean, the one thing the Kings have going for them is that they do have three games in hand, but they're tied for with Nashville yeah. right now with fifty-four points. I mean, the Kings right. technically have the first wild card. The Blues, who they just gave two points to in their last outing, tied with them at fifty-four points. LA mm-hmm. has played forty-seven games. The St. Louis Blues have forty-eight, and the Nashville Predators have fifty. And the Preds lost last night in OT to Ottawa. They actually could have jumped both of those teams, yep. at least with the one point. You know this is a massive game for Nashville because they mm-hmm. do have some catching up. But based on what you're saying, I mean, how realistic is it that Todd McClellan is coaching for his job tomorrow night? I think there, I think there's some validity to that. Um, you know, I, I think what happened was that that week that you mentioned, Buffalo and San Jose, I think at that point, even though Rob said the week before, you know, I'm not looking to change the coach. It's about execution. But when you can't execute against San Jose and Buffalo, it's everybody's fault, right? It's it's a collective failure by this team. And everybody's to blame. And I asked Todd after, I think it was the Buffalo game, you know, uh, look, here's the thing. You've lost two at that point, two of what, 16 or two of 14. Like, are, are you concerned about your job security? He said, look, I'm responsible for the performance of this team. And he respected the question because I have a relationship with him. 
but yeah, it's viable. Sure. I, I think you have to hustle. What else do you do? Like they're still waiting for Victor Arvidsson to come back from injured reserve. He should join them on the road trip after their bye week, which would be the middle of February. But I, I mean, how, how, how can you make the case if you lose 15 to 17 for a team that was in first place? And you mentioned the, the games in hand, Hustler. Hustler, the games in hand are only good if you win them. And the Kings never won them. And this was a team that I think they were in November at some point, they were 14 points ahead of Edmonton. Right? And now I think they're six behind, and Edmonton has games in hand. It's it's just not acceptable performance, and it's unfortunate. I don't lay all the – you know, some people say, oh, why don't you play Kaliev or Brian Clark? Like, the suggestions are being made, Hustler, are fringe players. They're talking about, oh, you should play Clark and Spence on the third pair. I think the third pair, changing the third pair, is going to change the fate of this team. Or Arthur Kaliev going on the fourth line. It, that's not going to happen. Like, it's the big boys that aren't scoring. There's certainly an issue, you know – the most disappointing player in the league this year based on his pay is P.L. Dubois, without question, right? And I'm in the room with him. And, and Hustle, you know, here's the thing, and you guys know this in Winnipeg of all places, doesn't hide, talks to the press every single day with a smile on his face, with an upbeat attitude, right? I can't bury the guy for hiding because he doesn't hide. But his performance just isn't acceptable, and it's not just the numbers. It's the small things. When you talk to foreign players, like, they say, like, watch him on a, on a line change. He glides back to the bench. So if you're not performing, that's one thing. But but the other other facets of the game, like his defense, which really isn't there, and just the, the overall engagement and compete isn't there as well. And if you're a fan, you could probably put up with the lack of production because there's other players on the team. And again, when they brought him in, they say, well, he could be a 2-3 C. When you see the lack of engagement, I think that's what gets up fan, fans upset the most. Well, I mean, let's dive into PL because, I mean, it has been – it's stunning, frankly, that, you know, he got everything that he wanted. He ended up in the spot. He got the big deal and has looked like a – and I don't want to say a shadow of himself because we saw a guy that one night could look like one of the top players in the league and other look like, you know, he wasn't aware that there was a game going on. Um but it doesn't seem like they've even had very many games of the really good Dubois so far this year. No, I think the game may be in Winnipeg. That's the third game of the season. Maybe the following game in, in Minnesota. I think he scored two goals, that one. But there hasn't been a signature game. No, this isn't say, well, okay, I can plant my flag on this game because, look, I dominated the game. And here's the thing. I did grades for the Kings, and I gave Dubois D minus. Because through this stretch, Hustler, when you play San Jose and Buffalo – Okay, if Kopitar and Kempe and Fiala aren't producing, you need to step up and produce. These were the games they needed him. This is why they were acquired him. Because when the other guys got shut down, he would stand up. He's never stood up and dominated a game and took a game. He's never been the first star of a game, I don't think, ever, right? So it's been it's been very difficult. And when you see eight points – look, one fan DM me the <laughs> – the buyout page for PL Dubois. From oh my God. Cat I Friendly. saw that. I saw that on Twitter. I'm like, uh, yeah, after one I of the games, so. I, <laughs> well, you know, be... you look at the cap hits hustler. <laughs> There's some <laughs> logic to it, to be honest with you. But, but when they needed him through this stretch to stand up and be, I'm going to be the guy, I'm going to be the lead dog. It just hasn't happened, which is, you know, like I said, he's, he's the most disappointing player in the league this year without question. You know, uh, I heard McClellan speak after maybe it was the, I think it was the game before the Buffalo game, so the Sharks game. Mm-hmm. And he was pretty direct uh, about Dubois, yep. and and he finished with, it. it's time. time. 
And I heard Jeff O'Neill talking about it on Overdrive saying, listen, guys, when the coach says it's time, mm-hmm. that means it's long since past time. Um, right. How How is... How has McClellan handled him right now? And is he sort of at wit's yeah. end? Because it seems like they moved him around. They put him mm-hmm. on the wing on the top line for a little bit. I mean, I'm just pulling this up right now. I mean, he's third line center with Carl Grudstrom and Jared Anderson Dolan right now, apparently heading mm-hmm. into this game. I'm sure that's subject to change. But, yeah, I mean, they've tried a whole bunch of different things and just basically not seen the success they were hoping. Well, when Blake Lazat was healthy, P.L. DeVore was the fourth best effective center. Like he wasn't even effective. So here, here's the thing. All right. You can't scratch. Like some people say, scratch the player, let him sit in the press box and look at the game from up top and think about it when his teammates are trying to win a game. You can't do it. The optics are too bad. Do you know what would happen to Rob Blake in the media? If they scratched PL Dubois can't do it. Like, do, do I know for a fact that they've had a couple of come to Jesus meetings with PL Dubois? They have, it hasn't sunk in. The one hope that you have, Hustler, if you're a Kings fan or a Kings organization, is that this doesn't turn into Jonathan Uberdo, where now it's over multiple seasons, where you've made this big investment, uh, both at resources, although I debate about the resources that were given, because I, I think it's a one-for-one trade. to be. And I know that, look, IFL is a really solid guy, done good things here. Kapar is a fourth-line center, but it's basically uh, Villardi for, for Dubois. You, you can't stretch him. They've, they've talked to him. It's just, you know, at some point, Hustler, regardless of where you play in the lineup or what the coaches tell you or the GM or the president drags you into a meeting, you got to want to do it, right? And right now I question his want. It just looks like he's gliding out there. And it's no surprise to the fans in, in Winnipeg because they warned me about it. Now, to this extent, I don't think anybody – I thought he would be more productive in, at this point in time. But they're locked in, Hustler. This is a contending team. Like, you're not going to trade him to Montreal, right? It's, it's just not going to happen. He's got a no movement clause. Why would he leave Los Angeles at this point in time? But the one hope is like, maybe he's just scratched this, you know, scratch this season say, okay, let's look towards next season. Maybe it'll be a coaching change, maybe different players on the team. I, I think that's what you look at, but you don't want this linger into a second season. Then it looks really, really bad. But part of the reason they're in the spot they are is because this guy didn't deliver when they really needed him the most. Well, the trade's blown up on them. Other than that, I mean, I think Rob Blake was getting lauded by the way that he set his team up to potentially really contend for a Stanley Cup. What has the whole Dubois saga done to Rob Blake in the market and the pressure that he's feeling right now? Yeah, I don't think he has any pressure because, you know, my partner on Kings of the Podcast, John Hoven, reported, I think, last season that that Rob signed a multi-year extension. So I don't think he's going anywhere. And and remember, I want to give you a little chronology of – what happened with the Kings? You know, remember when Rob came to power here, like if you go back to the, when the Kings won the cup, uh, when Dean and Daryl were here, um, then following three seasons after the 24 victory, uh, the, uh, the, the 2014 victory, they missed the playoffs by four points. They made the playoffs and got eliminated in the first round and they missed by eight points. This team never bottomed out, right? They, they never bottomed out. There wasn't a, an Anaheim or Chicago or a Columbus situation yet. Ownership decided to give the reins to, Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille. And the owner has an affinity for Luke Robitaille. Uh, he's the least visible owner in, in maybe all of sports, Phil Anschutz. So I don't really think anything's going to change there. Right? You know, I think that if if you're going to, like, if you're going to turf Rob Blake, then you have to turf Luke Robitaille. I just don't see that happening. Because I don't have successors anyway that I can line up and say, okay, there's a Kyle Dubas out there or whatever. I, I just think the connection that these two players have 
to the legacy of the Kings, and, and Luke more so than Rob, because Luke was beloved. Rob, there's a faction of Kings fans that don't like Rob because he, he gave up on the team and wanted to get traded to Colorado, wound up winning a Stanley Cup, which is what he pursued. I, I don't think there's any change in management here. I, I really don't. The, the building's not half full. The crowds are really good. The Ranger game, of course, there are a lot of Ranger fans. The place was sold out. So I, I don't see anything changing. The one you know off-ice thing I see that you could change – would be Todd McClellan. Everybody's talked about the risk um, he's at right now because of the team's performance. You know, um, the day after, or I guess the game after McClellan spoke, we heard from Drew Doughty. And yep. Doughty was very pointed in those comments. I mean, he had talked about uh, guys thinking it was cookie night. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were no cookies to be had in the third, second and third <laughs> period. In fact, no. the cookies were for the Buffalo Sabres, and we know how that yep. game ended up. Um. But it seemed like he was very, very frustrated. Um, did you take that as him calling Dubois out in particular? Or is there a whole bunch of guys that kind of followed into that? Because, you know, for a team that had been together for the majority of the time, we know the guys mm-hmm. that have got it done in the past. It, it, it sort of gave us an eye into what the leadership of that group is dealing with. And it. I don't know. I took it. Maybe that's just because we're in Winnipeg and we're so sure. focused on this trade and the aftermath of it. But that what they've done from what they the new guys aren't getting it done. Basically, is that what mm-hmm. it is? It's, there's there's more to it. But how did you read Doughty's comments? I didn't look at it just as Dubois. I would think you would have to throw in a mix. The guy who's the high risk, high reward guy in the team, and that's Kevin Fiala, who's been benched. He was benched the last game, took a bad penalty. I think it's probably focusing on those two guys, right? I think, and, you know, Dubois scored a power play goal in that game. So it wasn't like he was off the board or something. He actually, he actually has 10 goals, which is, he doesn't have two, but, you know, you, for that price tag, he's probably, now I wrote, you're getting a $3.5 million performance out of an $8.5 million price yeah, check. Um, but, no, I, I think it was Kevin Fiala, too, because Kevin has a tendency to do that. He is a difficult player to play with. And remember, at the beginning of the season, the, the, the alignment was Dubois and Fiala, but they both need the puck. And that's the one thing about – Now I don't really look at – you know I, I get the logic of putting Dubois on the left wing because he's not that facilitator. To me, he's more of a goal scorer. Like when they had big years in Winnipeg, he was like a 27-27 guy. He wasn't a 20-50 guy, right? So that so I, he's not that, you know, that, that facilitator. Plus, he hasn't played with great players. I get it. He's playing with bottom six players, but sometimes you got to make your players that play with you better if you're that type of player. So I, I think it was pointed both at probably Dubois, but even I, I think Fiali could throw it in his bed because he has a tendency to, to try to overplay things, to make that blind pass, that backhand pass, you know, give up a two-on-one. So I, I think it's a frustration in general. I don't think there's – I think that's Drew talking frustration out of a team that he knows that they were up against, they should have beat, they were playing a back-to-back Buffalo, and that's the performance you put up over 60 minutes. I think that's general frustration. I don't think that – Doughty doesn't get along with Dubois Fiala because he's one of the leaders, but it was, he was right. He was absolutely right. That's what it looked like. It looked like a lot of selfish hockey with a lot of mistakes. And it's great to see Drew stand up and say, it's not acceptable. You know, the the one thing uh, I'm sure that was extra concerning to everyone that follows the Kings and certainly their fans was the way they followed that one up. And that was the game in uh, against the avalanche. And I watched yeah. that game and, you know, Listen, things will happen in games, especially against a good team like the Avalanche. But, I mean, I think it was the third goal, the O'Connor goal in that game. Doughty had the puck all around, all all by Mm -hmm. himself behind the net. Guy came in, hit him, took the puck off him so easily. It was shocking. Bang, bang, in the back of the net. 
I know another one went off Doughty later on. I mean, a deflection is yeah. what it is, but um, it almost seems like it's infecting the top players as well right now on the club. And, you know, for a guy to be as vocal as he was mm-hmm. after the Buffalo game to come out and have that happen, that was sort of, that was, might've yeah. been the most shocking thing I've seen in watching the Kings over the last month. Yeah. But you know, I wasn't surprised Hustler, because when I went on our podcast, I said, oh, they can lose 7-1, and Todd's not getting fired. And people started telling me, oh, it's 5-1. DB actually might be right. They might lose 7-1. They were overmatched against that team. They're not right now prepared to play the Colorado Avalanche, the way they're playing. It's as simple as that. And you're right, it's pervasive. There's few guys that can go in the room after games saying, look, I gave my all, but was that my best game? No, guys are playing terribly. You know, it's, it's just, you know, Arthur Kaliev wants to get traded, and he, I don't think he's, he hasn't had a goal in 11 games, and he's just shooting 7%. That's, what a, that's not what a goal scorer is supposed to do. So it, it's, it's pervasive because, I don't know, how, so all I can say is it's a Jekyll and Hyde team. The team that played the first 30 games of the season is not here in Los Angeles right now. It's not close. It's been a total breakdown, and also with respect to their structure. So that's the concerning part is that if they're not going to play defense now and the goaltendings are grass, Cam Talbot, here's, here's how bad it is, Hustler. Here's very suffice, one sentence. Cam Talbot's the Kings All-Star. He's going to be in Toronto. He has a 10-game losing streak at the All-Star game, unless he wins tomorrow. That That's the Kings representative, and I think it's a microcosm of what's going on right now. Well, and he looked terrible in that game. And I have to say, this is really bad news for Cam because I believe once they get through the first six events of the skills competition, yes, it's the one-on-ones and the players mm-hmm. get to choose which goalie that they're going up yeah. against. Talbot yep. might take every shot. <laughs> he might take he every might. shot in that yeah. event. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a rough patch. He was great early. Now, here's the thing. They played such great defense. He never had to put up a 45-save performance like where he got – like the Kings never – through that stretch of the first 30 games, they never goalied anyone. They just shut teams down. But now the, those medium and long-range shots that weren't getting through and game, you know, through game 30 are getting through now. And what the problem with that is, is now you're starting to see – that's what happened last season with Quick and Peterson. They couldn't stop the average shots. And you watch these shots that get beat from distance. Like even Riddich, who's been pretty good – the overtime winner from Shen, that was from 35 feet. Like, I, was it a great shot? I don't know. Went through his elbow, went back in the net. That's the way things are going. And, and you know what? You could talk to anybody surrounding the team or their fans or myself. When it's 3-3 going to overtime, did anybody think that they were going to beat the Blues? No. To be honest with you, I'm like, they're not winning this game. And I've been very positive about this team through, you know, Todd and Rob's entire tenure. But it's gotten to a point where the expectations are, like, what's going to happen next to this team? Dennis Bernstein's with us from the fourth period. I'm moving off the Kings for a minute. Thank you. Um, you know, the funny <laughs> thing <laughs> the funny thing is, as great as the Jets have played this year and the results that they've had, they still are looking for, in some ways, mm-hmm. a replacement for Dubois in that second-line yeah. center role. Not that Nemetsnikov hasn't been playing well, but, you know, when you lose Mark Shifley the way they did for a couple of weeks, sure. it really shows the lack of depth at that position. Um, we've heard Elias Lindholm. I guess yep. Sean Monahan's name has been kicked around. Sure. Uh, what what are you hearing? If you're hearing specifically anything about the Jets, let us know. Um, but players that might fit into that category of you know a, a center that can play middle six, preferably top six minutes, um, that you know a team like Winnipeg may be kicking tires on and uh, see come uh, come north. 
Yeah, those are the two names I've heard, Hustle. Now, the, the third one would be, but he's more a winger than a center, but the other guy would be Adam Henrique out of, out of Anaheim, who's had a really good season for a team that, again, was supposed to do great things, didn't happen. But there's just there's just not enough quality there, Hustler, to say. I, I couldn't give you, like, a, a fourth name. for. And I agree. I, I think Elias Hanum, I've said it before, on Winnipeg, look out. Because Nemesikov, like, what are you going to get in the playoffs from this guy? Because now you're not talking about regular season or winning the division. Now you're like, you want to do damage in the playoffs. And when Nemesikov, is, as solid as he's been, is that going to be the guy? If they do get, you know, if Shifley's line gets shut down, he'd have to stand up. You'd feel more comfortable with a Monaghan or certainly with a Lindholm. The only guy I could think of would be Henrique. But, you know, he's a little bit pricey. And, you know, I don't know what the – the Ducks don't need futures anymore. So I, I think the focus would be on those two players. But if they do get one of those two guys, it's going to improve a team that has been fabulous throughout you know the first 50 games of the season. Yeah, we talked a lot about Henrique, and he's interesting. I mean, he's got a much bigger cap number. I mean, it's yeah, just south of six problem. million. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, you're picking him up at the end of the season. That would be something sure. that would happen close to the deadline, I'm sure, just because of what it would cost you to do it. Right. Um, and it's interesting with Henrique in particular. I mean, he had that great run to the cup with the King or with the uh, Devils as mm-hmm. a rookie, I believe. Uh, 24 playoff games. He's only played four playoff games since then and the rest of his <laughs> career. So I imagine he'd be quite excited. I mean, we're going to start digging more into uh, playing. Well, I mean, just quickly, I mean, the Columbus situation, we've talked about Line A. Um, sure. We're hearing reports out that, you know, there is, I don't want to say mutiny on the bounty, um, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of confidence at all in management right now. And this goes to Yarmo Kekalainen, and I'm sure speaking of general managers that are feeling the heat, he has sure. to be at the top yeah. of the list right now in the National Hockey League. But we did wonder whether, you know, a player like like a Boone Jenner or something might be available. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would come at a cost for sure because I think he's got yeah. a couple years at term and he's actually got a pretty reasonable contract. Mm-hmm. But you do start looking around like Chevy did with Paul Stastny in 17-18 yeah. for guys that aren't necessarily on the trade boards because they have expiring contracts that might be in situations that could use a move and the GMs might be willing to pull a trigger on it. Yeah. The the, the problem with that is that, you know, like, is that going to really happen at this point? I, I don't, I'm not sure at this point. So I, I just think that, and like the great thing also would be if Adam Henrique went to the Rangers, imagine you're a Ranger fan, you, you, you slept for five years, you wake up and Adam Henrique and Jonathan Quick are on your team. So that, yeah. that would be very, very interesting to see. So, uh, I just, at this point, I think that it's going to be really tough to make trades again. I think next season, when you get that cap boost to 87 and a half, then you're going to see that. But at this point in time, it's just, I wouldn't pay a premium if I'm, if I'm, if you believe the guy is going to put you over, and I mean raising that trophy in June, then you make the move. What I, if I'm, I'm paying a prohibitive price for the one guy? Because you can't even tell me, other than maybe Lindholm, like, okay, if Winnipeg got that guy, they could get to the conference final. Like I, I don't have that guy yet. And to put the three Frank, sometimes the best moves you make are are the ones you don't make. So would I be shocked if he stayed pat? Because the price for those guys that we're talking about, especially in home, is going to be prohibitive and maybe a little bit more because it's a Canadian team to a Canadian team. It's going to be really, really interesting. But it wouldn't shock me if Chevy stayed pat because things are going well and there's not really too much to fix. But I agree with you. The center position is one you might want to fortify, given of who you're going to be playing in the playoffs, like a Dallas or a Vegas or, a you know, uh, uh, Edmonton or a Vancouver. 
Good stuff, DB. Um, have a great time in TO at the All-Star Game. We'll look forward to what you and uh, Dave and the gang at the fourth period have cooking content-wise over the course of the weekend. And uh, enjoy that game tomorrow night. <laughs> so it's great being on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hustler, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. There's our guy, Dennis Bernstein. Uh, make sure you give him a follow on Twitter and uh, check out the fourth period. Mike McIntyre is coming up in just a minute. Of course, Jets off, but they're right back at it. A couple quick road games and then... One of the top games of the season on the schedule, Sidney Crosby, the legend, the Pittsburgh Penguins coming to town Saturday, February 20th, or February 10th, excuse me. Um, tickets available for that right now, as well as the Valentine's Day game against the Sharks and the much-awaited visit of the Minnesota Wild on February 20th. Of course, season tickets, ticket packages on sale as well if you want to get back in on board with the club in uh, respect to that, as well as get playoff ticket opportunities. Go to the website right now or give them a call. Someone will be happy to help you and get you back on board and get back in the seats for what should be a real exciting run to the playoffs and hopefully playoff run for your Winnipeg Jets. Um, a huge thanks to our friends at Wallace & Wallace, the fencing and overhead door specialists in Manitoba. Can you believe it? They've been doing it since 1946 as the leaders in both. Um, and while the fencing side of things really will pick up as we get into the spring, right now Wallace & Wallace is busy helping Manitobans make sure their garage doors are working and getting up and down. Now, they are the Clopé dealer in Manitoba with the biggest selection if you're thinking about a new overhead door for your garage. Um, but right now, it's about preventing downtime as your garage door works a lot harder in the winter. Um, give Wallace & Wallace a call to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace & Wallace. And uh, hey, shout out to the fellas down at F Apparel. Actually going to be heading down there a little later on this week to uh, get fitted up for some new duds. Guys, if you look in the closet or realize that you need to up your menswear game, there's only one place to do it, and that is F Apparel. The best prices on the best in men's clothing, including custom suits made to fit starting at just 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. If you are getting married this year, talk to them about a 15% discount when the wedding party gets done up at F Apparel. No tuxedo rentals, guys. Um, get something that you'll uh, be able to enjoy and wear long beyond the big day at F Apparel. Find out more online and make an appointment to pop in and see the guys at 190 Smith Street. And, of course, online at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. All right. Let's keep it going. We'll get back to the Winnipeg Jets after a fun check-in on P.L. Dubois and the Kings with Dennis Bernstein. Let's bring in Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. Mike, what's going on? What what do you have going on for the uh, for the down week for the Winnipeg Jets? Uh, not a whole lot, Huss. Uh, put a kind of state of the Jets piece together yesterday, and then I'm going to enjoy a few days off here. Now I'm I'm actually on the next uh, road trip uh, through Pennsylvania next week, um, and then I'm on the one right after that as well uh, to Calgary and or Vancouver and Calgary. Looking forward to seeing the Canucks. Canucks are one of the just a couple teams the Jets have yet to see, uh, and of course, right now they're sitting second overall in win percentage. The Jets are third, so that should be fun. Um, 
so yeah, and a little bit of downtime this week. And hey, it feels like spring out as I'm watching all the snow melt. Uh, um, can't complain at all about uh, about this weather. Uh, I am working on a bit of a longer term project as well, Jets related, that uh, we'll have later in the season. But yeah, some downtime, which certainly not complaining at all. I'll be back uh, on Sunday. Uh, when the Jets actually hit the ice again. It, it's interesting, Huss. The All-Star break is actually still going this Sunday. The Jets, though, they went and got permission uh, to hold a practice uh, as long as it's after 2 p.m. I guess that allows the players to to fly back Sunday morning and not have to cut their various vacations short. But the Jets will hit the ice on Sunday, and I suspect the question that we will all be wanting answered is whether Mark Shifley is good to go because uh, I'd suggest if there's one thing we've learned recently about these Winnipeg Jets, uh, a reminder maybe because we probably knew this already, but it's just how valuable number 55 is to the fortunes of this team. And they they certainly have missed him over the six games that he's been out of which they've only won two of those games. Yeah, that was certainly on display um, uh, last week uh, with the uh, the power, excuse me, power outage. It sort of happened with this offense um, in his absence. Um, just quickly on that practice, how does that work? Um, and, and is that something that the players have to all be on side for as well? Or is that just management saying, hey, we want to get to work uh, as soon as possible? I believe that it, because I think the players otherwise, they had to be back in town that day anyways. And so I think as long as it happened after a certain hour, it reminds me... Um, a couple of years ago, there was a similar situation. I think this was during the the COVID impacted year where they were able to actually hold a practice on Boxing Day, but it had to be like after four o'clock that day. So yeah, the, I, I don't. I mean, the players have obviously agreed to it. I, I don't expect uh, Connor Hellebuck or Kyle Connor to be there, although maybe they will be. I mean, it, it, Toronto's a short flight and. My understanding, it's not like those guys are taking a vacation after the All-Star break. I know Connor Hellebuck is on vacation early this week. I believe he took his family to uh, to Disney. Uh, and then he'll obviously head to Toronto for the All-Star festivities. So these guys have to come back to Winnipeg anyways. Uh, we'll see if they're actually on the ice on Sunday, given that they're going to be very busy uh, over the weekend with their All-Star commitments. But um yeah, I mean, you know, it's probably a good thing for the Jets uh, that they get two practices in because if they had not been able to practice on Sunday, basically you would have had one skate on Monday combined with having to get on the charter and fly to Pittsburgh. Um, and then they get the morning skate, sure, on Tuesday. But this will allow them to, uh, you know, to, to work off a week, a week's worth of rust, if you will. And if you're the Jets, you obviously hope that uh, – you can quickly nip this three-game winless streak in the bud uh, when you face Sidney Crosby and the Pens on Tuesday night. You know, you mentioned Hellebuck, um, and I know he's going to be there at the All-Star game. I hope they don't have much for the goalies to do, and I <laughs> hope he's able just to chill and relax and maybe get some extra sleep. Because, to be honest, the thought of dragging a couple toddlers around Disney for a few days <laughs> I think might be more laborious and exhausting than any three and four in the National Hockey League. 
you are you are bang on, Hus. Absolutely, uh, I've seen it firsthand. <laughs> I've I, we didn't take our young when they, when our kids were young. We didn't take them to Disney, but we certainly went on various trips. And you're right; it you often end up coming back from a vacation in dire need of a vacation. Uh, so you're right. Um, I'm sure Connor Hellebuck, I mean, they'll, they'll make some good memories for sure, but he'll probably uh, enjoy a little little downtime in Toronto. It's interesting. I actually saw there's a $100,000 prize, I believe, Huss, for the winning goaltender. I, I honestly, I admit it, I have not delved into the details of the All-Star game. Quite frankly, it just doesn't really appeal to me. But I know they've added some money and the, with the skills, like the 12. 12- I'm in on the skills this year. Like, I'm way more interested yeah, I mean, in the format of the bucks? skills. A million bucks on the table, 12 players. To my knowledge, I don't think they've confirmed everyone that is in it at this point. Well, I think they named 10, and then there was a vote for the last two. Oh, for the last two? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And we I, will try and find that I, if you can. I think while, they while have we're talking confirmed. about this. <clears throat> I think yeah. it was two. I think it was two Canucks got in as the as the vote, um, and it's a lot of Maple Leafs and Canucks and Oilers. Like it's the guys you would expect. They pay, they basically chose like the ten biggest names at the All Star game. Um, so you're right. I I, I think that's actually a, a good because let's face it, the skills it has devolved into like who cares, right? Yeah, but at least- no, no. This is neat. Like having guys legitimately compete against each other sure. in a number of different events is going to be fun. Uh, they've got a prize worthy, I guess, for millionaires to be <laughs> trying to win. But here's where it gets interesting, Bring it back to the goalies. So the first six events, every guy is going to do four of six events and get a certain number of points. Right. Uh, and then... I believe from the 12 that were there, the top eight are going to move on to a one-on-one, uh, one-on-one competition. And what's funny is that the players get to choose the goalie that they go up against. I like well, that. I just had Dennis Bernstein on. We were talking like Cam Talbert is the Kings goaltender. Uh, he is their all-star. He's on a 10-game losing streak <laughs> right now. I joke that every player in the event might pick Cam Talbot. I'm sure there's safeguards to make sure that the other guys get in there on it. But um, uh, And then once they move through that, I believe the final six make it through to a double point obstacle race challenge that I'm not sure what is involved, but that's sort of the final event. So yeah. um, I, I put it this way. If I was going to watch either the skills competition or the actual three-on-three all-star events, I can tell you that it'll be what's happening on Friday night as opposed to what's happening on Saturday. But uh, um, I'm sure we'll touch on that as we get closer to the event, but it'll be great to see Hellebuck there, Kyle Connor now filling in on uh, for Jack Eichel, who won't be there. And of course, Rick Bonus, who I'm sure will be uh, charming the media and uh, having a lot of fun in front of the uh, front of microphones, considering it is, I mean, there's nothing to do as a coach there, no. obviously, but... <laughs> You know, the team earned it for him. And uh, for the first time in 50 years in the game, it's pretty cool that he's going to be there. You know, maybe Rick Bonus can uh, can just ask around a little bit uh, and, and maybe bring some tips back to Winnipeg on how to get the power play going. Doesn't hurt, of course, that he's going to be surrounded by some elite talent. And that's one thing, Huss. I'm not, I'm not looking to absolve the Jets and their 
their pathetic power play that quite frankly has cost them a number of points this year. But the fact remains they have not been able to throw their prime PP1 group uh, out very often. Uh, we're talking about a handful of games, and it's been a long time since Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, Gabe Velarde, we presume Nikolai Ehlers, in fact, Rick Bonus has said Nikolai Ehlers' name with that group, and of course, Josh Morrissey. Like Those five have barely seen the ice together at all this year. And that's why I think, as I mentioned, when, when the Jets come back on Sunday, there will be a lot of um, fingers crossed in the organization that Mark Shifley is good to go. You know, it would be stunning if he wasn't because all signs pointed to him being very, very close last week. And, you know, I think that the belief was that they were probably holding him out more just as a precaution than anything. If he's not ready to go right out of the, the gate here, then then they have a real problem. And to go back to what I know you and Dennis just talked about, like to me, this this last six-game stretch without Mark Shifley has really upped the urgency, I think, for the Jets to, to really focus in on getting another centerman um, by the March 8th trade deadline. I, I think you could make a valid argument that it was on the shopping list even with a healthy Mark Shifley. But we've now seen what this team potentially looks like without Mark Shifley, um, you know, down with injury. And as good as the Jets have been, and no offense to these guys, running a top, you know, a, a top four center of Adam Lowry, Vlad Nemestikov, Rasmus Kapari, and Dominic Toninato in some configuration, that does not scream Stanley Cup champion or even contender to me. So I think it's probably... In a way, if you want to look for silver linings, maybe Shifley going down when he did has has allowed management to really focus in on on where the areas of need are. And I'll throw this in as well. After Declan Chisholm got claimed on waivers yesterday, if the Jets weren't already looking for perhaps some additional depth on the blue line, the fact that one of their depth defenders is now going to be playing for the enemy in the Minnesota Wild likely means that another defenseman would very much be on Kevin Sheveldale's shopping list as well. Well, let's get to the Declan Chisholm. I mean, I want to editorialize it. What do you make of uh, the team losing him in the fashion that they did yesterday? Well, look, first and foremost, I'm happy for Declan Chisholm because this was not a good situation at all for him. Um, you know, he's a guy, Huss, he's basically proven to be probably too good for the American Hockey League. He kind of did everything you would ask of him, you'd want of him in the AHL. And he's stuck. he was stuck in purgatory um, where, you know, ideally they would have, if, if there wasn't a room for him, and we know there wasn't a spot for him in the top six to start the season, and we now know that the Jets have remained remarkably healthy on the blue line. You can't say the same up front. Um, but, you know, other than Vili Hainala breaking his ankle in the final preseason game, and then Brendan Dillon having to exit the game early, and, and I guess Josh Morrissey the game before that, and he dodged a bullet, and looks like Brendan Dillon is probably going to be okay as well. Like, the Jets have been the picture of health on the blue line, and that has really worked to the detriment of someone like Declan Chisholm, who has gotten used to just sitting in press boxes and bag skates after the rest of the group is done. So I'm happy for Declan Chisholm that, you know, there's another team out there that says, we could use this guy right now, and and so good for him. He'll get an opportunity in Minnesota. Um, but, you know, if you're the Jets, 
look, I'm not I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time gnashing my teeth or wringing my hands over the loss of of a guy that quite frankly couldn't get in the lineup on a very good hockey team. Um and the Jets have lost a few other players in the last couple of years. He's the fourth, right? Kovacevic, Harkins, Asamont. Um, they picked a couple of guys up on waivers as well. Janssen Fialbi, who remains in the mix. Uh, they got Carson Kuhlman last year. So that's the nature of the game. That's why waivers are there, to give players that maybe don't have a spot on one team a chance with another. Um, yeah, it, it, it leaves a bit of a mark because this is a guy that you drafted, you developed, you put a lot of time and energy into, you know, hopefully getting him to the stage that he could be an NHL player. And then due to circumstances, you just had no room at the end. So, um, you know, it's a, it's unfortunate for the Jets to lose a player and get nothing back. Um, but it's great for Declan Chisholm. And, you know, we'll see what he can do in Minnesota with that opportunity. We don't have to wait too long to maybe see him back in Winnipeg with the Wild coming here on the 20th of February. Um, but, yeah, it is what it is. Look, the Jets have Vili Hainala, um, you know, who who I would argue was already ahead of Declan Chisholm on the depth chart um, because he's waiver exempt. You know, he gets to go to the Moose and, and play. But if there was a job opening, I would have thought Vili would probably leapfrog him anyways. And they also have Kyle Capobianco, a guy who last year was a very good soldier for this team and who's having a tremendous year on the Moose. Nobody really talks about him. He's leading the Moose in scoring. Um, you know, he's a guy that certainly down the stretch run as whether it's as a black ace or that eighth or ninth guy, if injuries hit, they'd be very comfortable having him step in. That being said, I'm sure another defenseman now to add to this mix is is very much a priority because, you know, if they were to run into a bunch of injuries, they now have one less reliable defenseman that they'd be comfortable putting in the lineup. Yeah, I, I listen, I mean, I, I'm pretty much echoing your thoughts on that. Um and I mean, there are some people that said, oh, this is just poor asset management. But my question to them is, well, what the hell were you going to do? Like, you know, at a certain point, I mean, you can hang on to everyone, but bad news. I mean, there's a 23 man roster in the National yeah. Hockey League. And once you play a certain amount of years, you go on waivers. If you're not part of that 23, Vili is undoubtedly ahead of Declan Chisholm on that list. I think when it came down to, I mean, there are a lot of people that aren't fans of Logan Stanley, but I mean, the way I read the room um, is that Logan Stanley is a very different player than either of those two guys are. You mentioned Capobianco with the Moose, who did get through waivers, who is certainly capable of coming in and being another depth player in that run. I think they didn't want to lose Stanley as opposed to a guy like Chisholm just because... He brings something so different in the lineup. Now, best case scenario, none of those guys are playing because the guys that you have running that have helped you win 30 games so far are in the lineup night in and night out. Um, but to me, the next guy up is certainly Vili Hainala, and that was the reason why Chisholm ended up being the guy, that it took a long time to finally get there, but he's going to get a chance to play somewhere else. And again, to your point, that's why the waiver system exists. Um, to give guys a chance to play somewhere when they just simply weren't going to get it because of what the depth chart looked on a stronger team that they're on. I agree with you entirely, Huss. I'll just say this. I, I found the timing of all this a little curious. Well, it, I, I'm going to pick up my buddy to go watch the Chiefs on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. 
and I've got the OB news on, and they mentioned what happened with Patrick Laine um, going on the player list, and then just saying, oh, and we've just learned that Declan Chisholm. And I'm like, <laughs> Sunday afternoon, going into the player break, was, it was a peculiar time. Now, I think with him being off the roster claimed, there probably is some, I, I guess, you see, is there cap yes. savings during the thing? Well, so there is. So that <laughs> might be part of it, but... Did they think that like maybe everyone wasn't going to be paying attention to the waiver list going into this week? <laughs> yeah, everyone was too focused on the NFL games. You know, I do wonder if there was some strategy behind it, if the thinking was there's a lot of teams that are off. And, you know, so now you add a player that in Declan Chisholm's case, he's not even playing for the Wild right away, but he's now added to their roster, so he counts against their cap, all that. Was the thinking that, we know it's going to be hard to get him through waivers at any point, but maybe this is our best shot. And I believe Huss, Minnesota, I think they were sixth, maybe seventh on the priority list. So, I mean, we know well, that they were he, six. There's only five worse teams yeah. than the so Wild five, right now in the so we know that We know that five teams passed on Declan Chisholm, but he only made it to number six. And I saw Mike Russo reported earlier today that his understanding is there were other teams um, – lower on the list than or or I guess higher on the list than the wild who also put in a claim so that he wouldn't have got even if the wild said no that that he wasn't going to get through um you know and so yeah maybe there's some cap savings to the Jets for sure because let's be clear the Jets have not yet activated Mark Shifley or David Gustafson off of IR which means they're now down to just 22 players on the roster with with getting Chisholm off and they don't have to activate, even if Shifley and, and Gustafson are ready to go next week, they don't have to activate those guys till like Tuesday if they want. Um, what is interesting though, Huss, to me is that it's two forwards who are going to be coming off IR. Presumably you would have thought that it meant two forwards would get waived. And the two forwards that are here right now that weren't to start the year are Dominic Toninato and Axel Janssen Fialbi. Those guys passed through waivers earlier this year and started with the Moose. Um, and the Jets have been carrying eight defensemen all year and just 13 forwards. What I'm curious to see now is, does Vili get the call next week? Do they still waive two forwards once Shifley and Gustafson are activated? And do they also then call Vili up and now have basically replaced Declan Chisholm with Vili Hainala? Or do they now carry 14 forwards and just seven defensemen and just have Logan Stanley as the extra? And that would mean you activate Shifley and Gustafson. Now you only have to wave one forward to make room for those two guys. Presumably it would be either Axel janssen Fialbi or Dominic Toninato. Um, if I had to guess, I think it's Axel janssen Fialbi just because you know, he was the guy that was the healthy scratch the other day. Toninato at least can play center. And that's, I think, probably give him a little bit longer rope. But hey, I'm curious to see how the Jets now handle um, this situation. And if they stick with the, the 13 and 8, or if they now shift to a 14 and 7 mindset, and what it means for a guy like Billy Hainala. Um, because, you know, going back to the original thought here of, of waving Declan Chisholm, there was a time earlier this season where we were seeing a bit of a rotation, right? I think we would argue that there was only five defensemen that you were penciling into the lineup every single night. 
uh, Nate Schmidt was part of what was supposed to be a bit of a rotation with Logan Stanley and Declan Chisholm. And that's why Stanley and Chisholm got in a few games. To Nate Schmidt's credit, he's played extremely well. And that pairing with Dylan Sandberg, and there's all kinds of underlying numbers to support this, has been tremendous. And Nate Schmidt, through his play and the work of his pair, kind of eliminated that rotation. And it created, I suppose, a problem for the Jets because now all of a sudden, as long as everyone was remaining healthy, Declan Chisholm just couldn't get into the lineup. Neither can Logan Stanley right now. And that was with an injured Vili Hanela. Right. So now that Vili's back in action and, you know, presumably whether they call him up right away, whether they wait till rosters expand after the trade deadline, um, the expectation is he's coming. Is he getting into the lineup though right away? Again, it's that same issue. I mean, are you are you now taking Nate Schmidt out for Villy? Maybe you do that the odd game. I don't know. Um, we'll have to I see. I see that I see that happening at some point. And I don't know. Like I think they're more than happy, you know, the way things are right now, if everyone's healthy, having Villy play games, play big minutes, and really get back like he missed half the season. Right. Um, you know, you want to get him up to where his wind is at 100%. He's feeling confident. But I do think that when he is added to the roster, when he joins the team, he's going to be getting into some games. Because, Mike, um, you know, they're going to want him to play at an NHL level. They're going to want him to play with the club. And I think they're going to want to get him reps with the team, knowing that there's plenty of scenarios in the playoffs where he's going to be a player. Right. Stanley's a little different, in, in my opinion. And I know there's some people, why didn't they just wave Stanley? I mean, I don't know how to tell people any other way than he's a, di- a diff- very different player than those other guys. And they want him as a depth defenseman that in case, you know, a Brendan Dillon is out, um, right. you know, or one of those guys that he can go in. And it's also the role. Maurice always talked about roles. Like, what does Stanley come in and do? He's going to come in. He's going to be on your PK unit. He's going to log some third-pairing minutes with a more talented player that can be in charge of moving the puck. And I will say this. When Stanley did come in, he had what? like the like, He's only played, what, a couple games this year? Yeah. His first game of the year, he actually was really good. <laughs> he actually did have a really strong yep. game. So listen, the bottom line is a lot of fans are more down on this guy than the organization is. Is he one of the top six defensemen? No. Is he one of the top seven defensemen if Billy Hanel is here? No. Do they want to have him as a depth player for the playoffs? Yes. Unless he's traded, unless they have to use him as an asset to move at the deadline with other pieces. Well, and that's that's a point I think worth touching on as well, Haas. Uh, Kevin Cheveldayoff, he, he would know better than certainly us, what the potential market is for his players, because he talks to other GMs, he picks up the phone, he makes calls. We know for a fact that there have been calls in the past. I don't know if his phone has been ringing lately about Logan Stanley. We certainly know that his phone in the past was ringing about Logan Stanley. And for whatever reason, presumably he didn't like what the offer was. Um, he didn't pull the trigger on a move, but there's certainly, I think, 
a takeaway here that if you're Kevin Cheveldayoff and you, you had to decide between Stanley or Chisholm who to waive, um, he probably would think that there's maybe some trade value in Stanley that just isn't there with Chisholm. Uh, and so maybe you hold on to that, as you say, because potentially you might need it in the lineup, depending on what happens. But also, if you're looking at making various moves by the trade deadline, he's a chip that that might be valuable that that gets you um, to where you want to go. So, yeah, it's it's you know we don't know all the inner workings and the mechanics of this. Um, I'm always curious though, and and again going back to the timing of this, like I do wonder sometimes how often GMs uh, communicate with each other or how honest they are in those communications about knowing whether or not a player might pass through waivers or not. Um, I mean, if you're the Jets, like I said, you've lost four players in two years. I haven't done the math to see how that equates. I know the Calgary Flames, they just lost two two players in one day last week on two separate waiver claims. So obviously other teams lose players too, and the Jets have added players. Um, I don't think four is is an unreasonably high number, especially when you're a, a team that has a lot of depth. This is this is probably the price you pay a little bit for being a good hockey team um, that develops good players is at some point you're going to run into a bit of a log jam and there's going to be other teams that uh, are, are happy to help you out of that log jam. Oh my God. I love the comments. The minute you bring up Logan Stanley, granny bomber fan, Hus, take off your rose colored glasses. Stanley is slow. Well, I'm not sure. I just said that he was fast. I'm not sure where <laughs> you, you did not took that off. But, <laughs> I mean, again, people just get so unhinged. Um, but listen, I don't make the decisions here. I'm just telling you what is quite apparent that, you know, and, and I mean, we've heard this for years. Hey, you want to make a cup run? You need eight. You need 10 defensemen. Yeah. They think of Logan Stanley as a player outside of their top six that they would like to have because he's a very different player than those other guys that if they lose a particular type of player, they can move him in doing that PK role and whatnot. And unfortunately for Chisholm, he was probably not going to get in ahead of a healthy Billy Hanela. And you make a great point about Kyle Capabianco. He's in there as well. Um, and then there's a possibility that they add, I mean, there's always these depth guys that move in and around. I mean, sure. I, I think what, listen, and fans always, always overvalue what, you have here because you see those guys, not that we've seen a lot of Declan Chisholm this year, but I mean, anyone, I'm not sure if any of these people that are pounding the drum actually paid attention to the moose the last few years, to be perfectly honest, but that's another story. Um, Listen, if there was, if there was a mid round or a late round pick out there for a guy that you're going to lose for nothing, trust me, they would have done it. Um, But you know, the bottom line is there's guys in this sort of situation in a lot of other teams. But when you add in a couple of other first-round picks, like a Vili Hainala, like Erasmus Kapari, that you do not... Well, Vili Hainala that can be on the roster, that can contribute. A Kapari that maybe it hasn't worked right now. You're certainly not taking the chance on him. Gustafson's yeah. another another guy that you, know, you don't... Like, guess what? When you've got all these players, there's only 23 spots. At some point, someone is going to have to be exposed. Declan Chisholm was the guy at... I'm sort of with you, wishing him well, maybe not too well with the Minnesota Wild. But for him, it's just an opportunity to play. I mean, there's nothing guaranteed for next year at all. 
But again, if he can open his eyes and get a contract with some other team that he thinks he can actually go in and be a top six defenseman and play, that's why the situation, that's why the, the waiver system was put forth. And uh, to your point, if you're a good team and you're deep, it makes it very difficult to keep all your players. And if no one's willing to pay the price for them, they end up on waivers. The Jets have been on both sides of that equation. Yeah, they certainly have. And, you know, you, you mentioned a number, uh, you said nine or 10 in terms of defensemen that a team would probably want. If they envision a deep playoff run, to me, Huss, I've always thought the number 10 is kind of a key one for blue liners. And I would say that right now, the Jets only are at nine. Um, no offense to anyone else on the moose, but beyond Hanela and Capo Bianco, I don't think there's anyone there that you'd be comfortable at this point throwing into an NHL lineup, certainly not for a team that has visions of going deep. And so, you know, you've now got seven guys here in Winnipeg with Stanley being the seventh. And then you've got Billy and Kyle Capobianco. And then I think there's a big drop off after that. And, and so that's why I think when we look at March 8th, if you're the Jets, maybe it's, maybe it's not even one, maybe you're adding a couple defensemen, um, you know, and I'm not saying big swings, top four guys. Um, but I, I think if you're the Jets, you would probably want to, to go in with a little more insurance than they now have because of the Chisholm situation um, and the way that played out. Yeah, good stuff. Oh, I see a little Piper run, Piper uh, run around emerged. in the yes. back. If Piper wants to say hi, you can bring Piper in. Uh, uh, well, I'll tell you what. Oh, there's Piper. Podcast listeners, hey, you're your missing fans. the best part. Your best part of Mike's visits. There we go. Very well behaved today. Not she running is, around yeah. like crazy or anything. Well, it's it's because you know I'm because of the the break. I'm 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 not out at the rink and coming in and out of the house. I'm home a little more. So uh, yeah, she's she's a little more subdued. She's getting her walks in, getting her outdoor playtime with uh, with her brother Bodie. So life is good. Piper is very much in favor of the uh, the player break and the all star break. She gives it two paws up. Us, <laughs> Mike. Thanks a lot. Uh, we'll continue to uh, look forward to your work in the Winnipeg Free Press, and uh, yeah, enjoy a few days away from the rink. You bet uh, when we do this next Tuesday, I'll be joining you uh, from Pittsburgh. So looking forward to that. Oh, perfect. Setting up yes. the uh, next half of the, uh, well, less than half of the schedule. Yeah. The uh, but the run. resumption of play in Pittsburgh against uh, Sidney Crosby and the Pens. Thanks so much. There's Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press. Again, you know, we hit some bomber news early on in the uh, the program. Uh, Jackson Jeffcoat will be going to free agency, which is... I mean, listen, not great. I'd love to know that just Jackson and Willie were back. Um, Jackson has had a tough time staying healthy over the last couple of years. That probably is maybe why the money that he's looking for isn't there for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But the big discussion that we had coming out of Farhan's report earlier today, just the amount of running back talent that is going to be on the market, maybe that plays into the Bombers' hands when it comes to Brady Oliveira. We'll get into that more in the next couple of days on the program uh, but, of course, our Bomber Reports brought to you by the proud new sponsor of the home of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Princess Auto. Can't wait to get to Princess Auto Stadium next year and see the blue and gold get back at it. And in the meantime, maybe some visits over to Princess Auto here in Winnipeg, where you will find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new. Is it Princess Auto? Pop by and see him on Panet Road or Portage Avenue West. 
You can always shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Um, got to shout out Royal Sports. Getting ready for the Super Bowl. I'm, I can't wait for some of that Super Bowl merch to be coming in. Niners and Chiefs. I think there's probably been a run on a lot of that uh, merch lately, but you can pop by Royal and see what's ready for the big game and obviously get ready for the Jets push to the playoffs and the playoff run with the biggest and best selection of Winnipeg Jets merchandise you'll find in the city. Thousands of pieces, including many exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. While you're at it, check out the uh, massive hockey section. And for those of you that are looking to hit the ice, the, the river trail or ODRs, or maybe just learn to skate, affordable skates, you know, not like maybe what you need to play in the NHL, um, they've got some great options there as well. So if you're looking for it, Royals got you covered. Not to mention snowboards, boots, bindings, all great stuff to make the most of winter right now. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And of course, you can check them out on uh, Instagram as well at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And uh, hey, got to shout out Boston Pizza. A little slower these last few days post-football and player break, but there are two games tonight. There's three games in the league tomorrow. We've got some hoops going on. So if you're looking to uh, warm it up, eh, hook up with your pals at your local Boston Pizza, Ice Cold Schooners, world-famous BP Wings, gourmet pizzas, and the big game on the big screen. And hey, if you are staying at home, order online and get it hot and fresh to your door at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's check in with the moose. Um, it had been a horrible start to 2024, but the winds returned on the weekend, and I imagine that has made our next guest. He's always in a good mood, but in a little more cherubic mood right now. The voice of the Manitoba Moose joins us now from Rockford, Illinois, before a 7 p.m. start tonight with the uh, Moose and the Rockford Ice Hogs. Dan Fink joins us now. Fink, what's up, buddy? How are you? Always in a good mood, Huss, because you never have to talk to me before noon. So I don't usually start uh, functioning until a little later in the day, which uh, is both good and bad when you work in hockey. So uh, ho- hopefully I can always bring a smile to uh, to Winnipeg Sports Talk. Well, you always do. And I imagine there were uh, probably a few smiles that were long coming on the weekend with the team uh, breaking that real tough stretch they had into the new year with a couple of wins. Take us through the weekend and uh, how they uh, got back with not just one, but two, uh, two in the win column. Yeah, I think folks that were watching this team could kind of see it coming. And Huss, as you know, in sports, when a team gets mired in a long losing skit, there's usually a couple games right at the end where it's like, Ah, they probably should have won those games. They probably deserved a better fate. You can see them pretty playing pretty well. And I mean, really, I mean, the Moose suffered a, a tough homestand there to to wrap up the the losing skid. In in that they uh, lost a couple of games to the Grand Rapids Griffins that they let get away from them late. Uh, they lost a couple of real tight checking games to the the Chicago Wolves. They came out of that homestand with one point and realistically could have come out of it with all eight. So it, it shows you just how tight it can be in pro hockey and just. It, Instead of the Moose right now being on a six-game winning streak, they're only on a two-game winning streak. So uh, that's how things go. But uh, as to your actual question, uh, getting down onto the road, I think you can see this team ready to kind of break out of the slump. And they got the offense rolling against the Rockford Ice Hogs, scored three times in the second period. And in the second and third period, allowed a combined eight shots in that game in Rockford. So uh, they got the defense going. They had the offense clicking on the same nights. And uh, they were able to snap out of that. But one thing that in talking to Nolan Baumgartner before that Rockford game, he, he pointed to the fact that 
the team, despite being maybe down after a loss or something like that, they never let it get past that day. They stayed positive. And during that interview, as I was talking to him in pregame, you could just hear somebody in the background, if you caught it on the broadcast, just whistling away, going through their pregame routine. The, the, the team did a really good job of fighting through that, staying positive. And but you know what? You go downstairs after that game against Rockford, and everybody looked a couple inches taller. There was definitely a weight off the shoulders, and I think you could see that against Chicago. A lot more confidence. They got into the final couple of minutes of a two-one game, and after having four times being tied in the final two, tied or ahead in the final two minutes during that losing streak, and only getting one point out of those games, they looked very confident. Back to the team that came into this losing skid seven and zero when leading after two periods, and really good at defending leads, and that's what they did against a, a very wily Chicago team that tried everything they could to pull the Moose out of their game but just couldn't find a way to break through. So good for the Moose to not only get that first win but keep the vibes rolling and get a bit of a roll going here with their second win. But the job just continues here against the Ice Hogs on a busy road trip. Well, it does right now. I mean, they're at the bottom of the division. I mean, Iowa is just ahead of them, and I believe they've got a few games in hand on them right now. But this is – I mean, ending that losing streak was – First and foremost, the job last weekend. Now it's time to build on that because if this team does want to be competing in the Calder Cup playoffs, there's a lot of work to do right now, and it really has to get going immediately. Well, absolutely. And, I mean, if we go back to 2018-19, the Moose went into the Christmas break that season last in the AHL. They ended up missing the uh, the playoffs by a, a mere two points and actually held a playoff spot down late in the season, just couldn't quite hang on to it. Uh, I think they were there for an afternoon or something like that. But um, it, that, a very different situation. Yes, that team had more points at Christmas than this team did, um, but was also a much higher point threshold to get into the playoffs that season than it will be this season. The Central Division not one of the higher point producing teams or divisions in this league right now. It's a very young division and the Milwaukee Admirals are kind of stomping everybody right now and have kind of run away with things. But then you start to break things down and the Moose are six points back at the Chicago Wolves. That was a big win the other night and those two teams will play plenty down the stretch here. So the Moose are going to take on these Rockford Ice Hogs who are in fourth in the division and just a little bit ahead of Chicago. You win both of these games, all of a sudden you've gained four points on the Rockford Ice Hogs and you're not that far out. So with five teams making it into the playoffs, a bit of a lower point threshold on top of that, it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility for the Moose to get into the playoffs because there's still a whole half season left. And if anything has been shown, you have a good half season here. And who knows, they might not even be in that uh, four or five playoff spot. They might even be able to crack in a third, depending on how things shake out. That will be a very tall task, but you just never know, especially with the AHL. It can be so dependent on who's healthy, in two different leagues and who's rolling at that time. So the Moose hoping that they can break through. Well, that is a great point. Um, and, and, and are we still in the, uh, is it the, the four and five teams play a, uh, is it a three game plan or just a That's one correct. gamer? Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a three game set between teams four and five. Um, and for the Moose, positioning, they're very important because with Manitoba being a team, that's an outpost team all three games will be in one location. So if you get into that four spot, if you're the Moose, they're all in Winnipeg. Or on the flip side, if uh, they're in that five spot, they're playing them all wherever that may be, whether it's Iowa or here somewhere in Illinois so or even Grand Rapids. So it's uh, it's certainly important to try and fight their way up the standings. And again, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Obviously, like you said, there's work to be done, and I don't think this team is shying away from that at all. But uh, they're here ready to do the work, and uh, if it, – the last few games have been any indication the defense that 
they kind of struggled with, the defensive structure, has started to come around, and that's going to be a big thing for them to add into their game. Well, great point. And, you know, you got the win over Rockford on the weekend. You got him tonight again. You're there again on Saturday. Um, if you can completely flip, if you can do a 180 from losing a bunch straight to winning a bunch straight, um, you know, the uh, the equation changes considerably. Um, let's talk. I wanted to ask you about Brad Lambert. I mean, you know, we saw that absolutely hellacious hit that he took. Um Fill us in on his recovery, his return to the lineup, and uh, how he looked on the weekend. Yeah, that was a heavy, heavy collision that he took in Laval, and uh, you know what? Uh, it was it was it was certainly something to behold. But uh, uh, for for Brad, obviously missed a little bit of time, and is still kind of working his way back in. I got to talk to him at morning skate today, and he said is felt kind of the first three games or so back that he just didn't quite have it yet. Then he had a couple of assists in Rockford here and still feels like he's getting fully up to speed. And the Moose kind of pulled a swap. They've changed things up from how they've gone most of the season with uh, Jeff Malott, Brad Lambert, and Parker Ford all skating on the same line. They've pulled a bit of a flip and moved Nikita Chibrikov onto that line and put the three top scoring forwards together. I don't think they've quite found their jam at five on five yet. You can see kind of spurts of it. They'll have a good shift here and there, uh, still trying to link it in. But what it's done for the Moose is actually opened up a really strong middle six. But to get back to Brad Lambert, of course, uh, good for him to kind of it's not one of these sequences earlier in the season where maybe he finally gets back. The Moose play a couple of games on the weekend, then he's got to wait a whole week to play a couple more games. Now he gets the opportunity to play consistently throughout a week in a whole pile of games here on the road trip to really get back fully up to speed. So we'll see if maybe tonight's the night that uh, that line is able to really get cruising. Yeah, I mean, just nice to see him back and uh, getting games. I mean, that's what, you know, a, a year like this is about for a top prospect like Brad Lambert. I mean, getting top line minutes, playing the pro game, getting used to it. And you can't do that if you're if you're out. And speaking of being out, I mean, I don't know if Chaz Lucius is just the walking Murphy's Law, but, I mean, if it's not one thing, it's another. And um, he's now had surgery and gone for the year. It's a, it's a big hole from a young man that I know he's only played 17 games, but when he'd been in the lineup, had been productive, and uh, obviously the organization still has high hopes for. Yeah, definitely frustrating and tough to, to see Chaz go through that. I mean, uh, the, the guy just hasn't played a whole ton of hockey over the last few years. Important development seasons, but uh, still a very young player. And hopefully this is the last hurdle that he has to get over to, to enjoy a long professional career. And um, he's, he's been through a lot of adversity and, uh, you know, you, you talk to him and, and he handles it well. He's keeping his head up and he, he knows that he's in for, for some recovery time here. And uh, again, the hope is just that this is the last time he goes through it. And maybe he goes through this for the next, for these past four seasons that it's been really, really difficult and then enjoys a career where maybe he's largely injury free. You're never going to be completely injury free in, in pro hockey, but maybe the rest of the career is, is pretty solid that way. I mean, you look back, there's, there's been a number of guys that have gone through stuff like this. And I mean, Nelson Noje is actually a really good example of this early on in his career. He lost most of a season, uh, I believe in his draft year. And then uh, his rookie season with the Moose, one of his first couple of seasons played 11 games because he lost the whole season, but uh, then went on to, play most of the games that uh, he was uh, around for after that so sometimes this happens and and you go through it all at once and uh, then you're able to move on so that's the hope for Chaz and uh, just hoping for the best in his recovery um you know I'll leave Billy for the end because we've been talking about him and interested in your thoughts as to how you know he's kind of jump-started his season 
Um, but Chibrikov, um, you know, I mean, you look at the the scoring leaders. He's the top scoring forward on the club right now with 29 points. Uh, you know, Lambert's ahead of him a little bit on a points per game basis, but he scored 13. You mentioned getting some top line minutes right now. I know there's a lot of people that have heard his name that have not seen enough of the moose this year to really know the type of player he is because he's a little bit of a different prospect than one of these high-flying first-rounders that, you know, like, for instance, a, a Brad Lambert or a, Ch- or a, a Chaz Lucius. Um, how's his first year been overall in the American Hockey League, and and what, what does he bring to the moose in the organization um, when you sort of describe him as a player? Yeah, it's it's been there's been a lot of learning for him. I mean, you're coming over to a new country, a completely different style of play here in the AHL from the KHL and just North American hockey in general. And it's always a process. So it's been impressive that he's been as productive as he has been. But uh, for you've seen kind of different stages of his season where he's kind of working on maybe one part of his game and maybe something else isn't quite there. And then maybe that's the focus and that improves. So you can see him kind of and I say I talk about this a lot on your show kind of putting in those building blocks and building that foundation as a progression that's what all you're trying to do for these prospects is to kind of lay out that foundation and let them build on top of that so uh, for Nikita Chibrikov he's been so good on the power play you can see he's just that top playmaker I I think uh, the Moose would like to see him use that lethal shot a little more and that sounds maybe funny considering he leads the team in goals but sometimes that playmaking ability just seems to want to take precedence and maybe he'll pass up a really good look to force a play into another one of his teammates that maybe isn't expecting that pass is waiting for a rebound or something like that off a shot so I think right now you'd like to see him getting that puck to the net because man he does have such a great shot he gets a quick release away he's deadly accurate uh, but doesn't use it necessarily all the time and you look at kind of the last little bit uh, what was it five games ago he had five shots on goal scored twice and since then, he has five combined shots. So when he gets that puck to the net, he finds success and then uh, sometimes can maybe get stuck passing around a little bit. So I think that would be one thing that the Moose would like to see him do a little more. But uh, talking to Mark Morrison, they want to give Nikita Chibrikov the room to be creative. They don't necessarily want to stomp on what he does and say, hey, no, do it this way. Because they know he's just such a dynamic playmaking forward. They want him to have that latitude to kind of make plays that he's going to, but to understand when the appropriate moment is to do each thing. So I think that's kind of the guidance the coaching staff wants to bring to him. He's and a those feisty guy forced. too. Like, oh yeah, like, absolutely. He's not, I mean, like that's the one thing that really stands out. I mean, he <laughs> welcomes the contact, he welcomes the collisions, and he'll get in your face as well. I, I To be honest, from what I've seen from Chibrikov so far, I mean, you, you need to have some offensive chops to be able to play into the league. Um, but he's not maybe necessarily a guy that projects to be a top-line player in the NHL, but he is rounding out his game and brings a lot of different things that maybe some of the prototypical top prospects don't. Yeah, for for his size, the amount of guys that he knocks down to the ice is pretty impressive. Now, he takes his licks, too, being a smaller forward and, and not shying away from that contact. He's going to get bumped around pretty good, but uh, he'll pop right back up and get into the fray and certainly doesn't back down from anybody. So uh, that's certainly something that the Moose, his teammates, enjoy a lot about him, and it makes him a very fun player to watch because you never quite know what he's going to be up to on any given shift. Hey, how up? Uh... How good has Kyle Capobianco been this year, and how important has he been to this team? 
Well, for a team that didn't have to start this season, when you consider just the glut of offensive defensemen that they've had the past number of years, and last season had Leon Gavanka scoring 20 goals and Declan Chisholm uh, being one of the top defensemen in the AHL and Billy Hainla, of course, uh, also being one of those elite defenders, all of a sudden the Moose didn't have any of those guys. And Kyle Capobianco came in and... I mean, it got off to such a hot start. I mean, it took him maybe a couple of games, and then all of a sudden he racked up, I believe it was 12 points in six games, uh, and then cooled off a little bit. But since then, has uh, kind of picked up that pace, and now he's a guy that's got four games with at least three points on the board. So some nights he is absolutely driving the offense. And in Chicago, scores the game winner on an absolute beautiful move and then shot during a four on four segment. So he gives the moose just that ability to push the pace offensively uh, and then get back defensively. Cause he's such an elite skater and just creates so many problems for teams. And now all of a sudden he's leading the team with 30 points in 36 games. He's got seven goals on the season. He's just a hair outside the, the top guys for the, uh, the AHL scoring lead among defensemen, just a couple of points back of Brant Clark and Matt Donovan. So uh, he's certainly been every bit, the offensive defenseman, the, uh, the moose need. And now with really handle up, maybe, I'm teeing you up here for this one, Huss, uh, to get back in the lineup. It just gives the Moose another weapon off the back end. And all of a sudden, we've seen a little more confidence from the Manitoba defense, and they've scored four of the past seven goals for the Moose. So a big reason the Moose have found success this week on this road trip has been their back end. Well, Ed, speaking of that back end and uh, some goals, Billy's got a couple. He's got two and two uh, now in seven games. Um, I I mean, listen, he had a, a brutal first half. I mean, was on the cusp of, you know, being in that opening lineup for the Winnipeg Jets, breaks his ankle, misses the first half of the season, comes back. How has he been on the ice? How is he progressing? And uh, how's his head at being back, you know, with familiar faces and actually getting a chance to play um, to hopefully progress towards making that jump to the NHL? He's really excited to get back in the lineup uh, when he did in Laval. I mean, you could see just he was a little, little nervous, I think, just to get back in. But uh, once he settled in, same old Billy, he's just he's so even keeled. I mean, you're, he's not too high, not too low. It's one of the great things about him as as a player and uh, just his attitude with the whole thing. He like you mentioned, he went through a real tough time and he called it a bit of a dark place, but he got through it with help from one, his family. He spent some time over there in, in Finland, the very start of his recovery. So he was able to kind of get away from the business of hockey and the day to day and just kind of relax and be with his family and take time to himself. And then once he got back, he had that support from teammates, not just from the Winnipeg Jets, from the Manitoba Moose as well, and the medical staff working through it uh, with him. So it's been great to see him back on the ice. And it's a process. I mean, when you miss three months of the season, I think folks sometimes forget you lose out on that opening month of the season where everybody's still getting up to speed it's a, it's a whole different game and then that second month really is when things start to push and then you hit this midpoint in the season and it's basically a completely different league whether you're in the american hockey league or the nhl so it takes a lot to get back up to speed and it's been impressive how billy has slotted in but i think he'll tell you that there's still time to go so it's certainly great for him to get these games in with the manitoba moose working his way back up to the player that uh we've all seen that he can be so uh, is he 100 uh, percent? that's not really for me to say uh, i think i'll defer that one to the coaches and the medical staff but uh it's certainly seeing him on the progression to be towards being that player that uh, has been so much fun to watch over the years so uh just before we go um the team's playing tonight in Rockford, um, back in Milwaukee on Friday, back in Rockford on Saturday, and then Grand Rapids the following Friday and Saturday. Um, 
first of all, let us know where we can hear the action coming up this week. But what happens like Super Bowl Sunday to Thursday? Do they come back to Winnipeg or uh, are you guys staying on the road? Uh, yeah, so uh, come Saturday, yeah, come Saturday, Moose will head back Sunday morning to Winnipeg. That's the All-Star break. So AHL All-Star break, the uh, the All-Star uh, skills competition is on February 4th. The All-Star challenge, the three-on-three tournament is on uh, February 5th in San Jose. And you can catch both of those events on TSN uh, for free on AHL TV or the NHL Network if you're watching down in the States. Uh, so you can catch it on there and catch Brad Lambert in action. That should be a lot of fun to watch him go. He, he doesn't know what skills events he's in yet. I really hope to see him in fastest skater. I think that would be uh, a lot of fun to watch. He's magic um, in three-on-three. Oh, well, that's the thing, too. To watch him in a three-on-three tournament with uh, some of the players that the Central Division is sending could be a lot of fun to see. So uh, you definitely don't want to miss that. Uh, it's a bit of a later t- start time, too. I believe it is 7 o'clock for the skills competition on TSN on uh, the 4th and then it's an 8 o'clock start because uh, it's out in San Jose on TSN on uh, the 5th so uh, should be a lot of fun to catch those so Moose will head off to their brief all-star break and then yeah the team will meet up in Grand Rapids kind of the day before their game there before doing a quick jog back over to Calgary to finish off that road trip so it looks a little daunting on the schedule but uh, it's nine straight away from home but it's a five-game trip and a four-game trip. But it helps the Moose, who came into this trip having played the uh, least amount of games on the road in the AHL to get back uh, caught up with everybody. And their team right now that's 9-9 nine and nine away from home. So they've been pretty solid on the road this season and uh, continue to play that way. And, Hussey, uh, we're looking for the details for the rest of the week. Uh, you can catch all the games on cjlb.com slash sports. I believe they are all 7 o'clock Central Time puck drops throughout but you can always check out moosaki.com to uh, see the schedule and get the proper puck drops and we'll start 15 minutes before on cjob.com slash sports and ahl tv well good stuff i'm going to throw up a ahl uh, tv tonight and uh, check out that game and uh, see if the uh, fellas can make it three in a row and uh, get a look at how brad's looking and of course billy hanelot who uh, probably is more likely to see um, maybe a visit up to the big club at some point, considering what happened yesterday with Declan Chisholm being hit up off waivers. Uh, Fink, have a great call tonight and a great rest of the trip. Thanks for doing this. Thank you very much. I'm going to sneak in one more plug. Sorry, Huss. Please uh, do. With the Jets off right now for the break and all-star break, this is a great time to remind folks, if you are a Jets ticket member, you do have access to AHL TV, um, the account there. So uh, if you've signed up for that previously be sure to, to try and take advantage of that or search if you haven't searched back through emails i believe there would be something in there from way back at the start of the season to try and get you signed up hopefully there was no deadline on that but if you have signed up for it in the past and you are a ticket member be sure to take advantage of that this week good stuff pal we'll look forward to the game tonight thanks for doing this <clears throat> thanks us talk to you soon good stuff there is our uh, pal dan fink and uh man you know we're uh I'm looking forward to this Moose game tonight just to, to get a chance to see. I mean, I've been out to some of the games at home, but, you know, there's so much going on with the Jets on a day-to-day basis that uh, this is the perfect time with a weekday game and not much else happening to tune in. So that's a 7 o'clock game and a great reminder from uh, to think that if you are a season ticket member or a ticket package holder, you do have access to AHL TV. So uh, dig in on that and uh, maybe you can check out the game tonight. We'll t- discuss it tomorrow on the program. Um, we are going to be having another It Takes a Community to Play event coming up, uh, uh, a segment coming up later on this week. Going to give a shout out to Sport Manitoba and the support of Manitoba Liquor Marts as well. Uh, and I have a feeling, uh, you know, unfortunately, we'll be getting more details on 
what's happening with the uh, the five individuals from the 2018 World Junior Team that are going to be uh, turning themselves in to London Police. I believe Alex Formanton, who came back from Europe where he was playing, was the first one to do so. Um, and there's going to be a press constant press conference on that next Monday from the London police. So we'll have an update and some more details on all of that. But uh, as far as safe sport programs and more volunteering, refereeing, head on over to uh, sportmanitoba.ca for more resources and information on all of that. All right, Reem, let's get to the cool bet lines tonight. And uh, listen, there's not much to get to other than two games in the National Hockey League. And uh, hey, listen, don't look now, but the St. Louis Blues after firing Craig Berube are getting a bit of a bump. They've won five in a row. They are now in a wild card spot and um, can make it six in a row tonight. I believe their last three have been in overtime. Uh, but listen, it doesn't matter if you get the two points. They're hosting the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are in a bad place right now. And then we've got the Seattle Kraken and the San Jose Sharks going at it. Kraken in minus 231 favorite. The Blues minus 262. Yeah, uh, St. Louis Blues are playing very well. And I think quietly... Uh, this Rob Thomas, Kairou, Buchnevich line has been really strong. And, you know, remember Kairou, you know, what in tears around uh, the time when Craig Berube was, was let go. But uh, I think Rob... the building by their own fans. Yeah, Rob Thomas, he doesn't get a lot of credit. He's top 20 in the league in points, us over a point per game, 52 and 48. And big chalk against their big favorites against the Blue Jackets and who've got a lot of off-ice stuff uh, going on. We didn't even mention yesterday what uh, former what number what top, was he top five pick, David Juracek, expressing his frustration not getting into the lineup there and Pascal Vincent addressing that as well. And it just hasn't been a good season um, for Columbus, so... You know, last game before the break at home, St. Louis is rolling. You know, they like to think um, they're going to come on strong here against the Blue against the Blue Jackets. So I like the Blues, and I'm like, well, when's this going to stop? But they keep winning, so I I would go with the Blues. You know, maybe yeah. the Sharks. Imp- yeah, important game for the Kraken as well. And you know, we were talking about this on the Lock Shop, just a straight up chalk parlay of yeah. the Blues and San Jose uh, Blues in Seattle tonight. At plus one one thirty two, uh, if you actually click over to the Coolbet exclusives and just go to the Coolbet NHL daily exclusives, if you do like those two favorites, and I do, instead of putting it in at plus one thirty two, they've actually got a nice little boost for that. Chalk it up, Blues and Seattle Kraken both to win at plus one fifty. So if you were thinking about doing that, you got a better number waiting for you in the exclusives. I've got a couple other fun uh, fun ones, uh, points from the point. Zach Wierenski and Vince Dunn both record one point. Um, Wierenski, Butchnevich, McCann all record three or more shots at plus 475. 241, Robert Thompson, two points. Kairou, four shots. And Logan Couture, one point. 875. And uh, hey, now you're an all-star. Boone Jenner and Oliver Bjorkstrand both to score tonight, plus 925. There's a few NBA exclusives as well. Um, just before we wrap up the cool bet lines on a kind of a slower night, ooh, we've got a little more movement in uh, the Super Bowl money line. Now, well, this, and this is just in the last hour, 
the Niners have moved to two point favorites from one and a half. I mean, what I've really been paying close attention to is what the money line is right now. And the Niners are now minus 125 favorites. And the Chiefs, this is the best number that I've seen since Sunday night, plus 106. It's gone anywhere from plus 102, 103 earlier today, plus 106 right now. Um, but what's quite interesting is that now we're seeing a lot more money come in on the 49ers, which um, which has moved that line to two for uh, for San Francisco. Um, I think this is going to end up being pretty darn close to a pick on I think as we get closer to the game, there'll probably be a lot of Kansas City money coming on. So right now, if you do like the Chiefs, this might be a great time to jump in at plus 106 just to win the game. I don't know how much action they'll take on the spread when it's so tight. I think most of it's just going to be on who's going to win. And right now, the Niners are laying minus 125. The Chiefs plus 106. Total for the game is 47.5. And they already have a ton of props. We'll get into those over the next couple days on the uh, on the lock shop. Uh, but totals, halves, quarters, touchdowns, touchdown scorers, MVP, player passing, player reception yards, rush yards, rush attempts, kicking, passing, sacks, kicking, game props. Uh, they've got it all, and as uh, you mentioned yesterday, we now not only have the color of the Gatorade ream, but we mm. also have the position of the player that will pour <laughs> the Gatorade on the winning coach. And I always think it's usually the old linemen that do it. <clears throat> Yeah. So that's why you have offensive at minus 110, defensive plus 150, but a combo of offense and defense at plus 450. We have seen a few times like two players going together and going over. Yeah. And I guess if they've got a hand on the bin, on the bucket, they're going to get a piece of that. So uh, anyways, there uh, there's another interesting prop to get to, and there'll mm -hmm. be about a million more before we get closer to a week Sunday. Yeah, I would think the offense would be taking a knee and then maybe it would be a defensive player, you know, as the clock expires, pouring the liquid. I like how it says, it says liquid on the winning coach. So what a bet that is that we'll be watching. That's a really intriguing one for me. Any Taylor Swift props that they're offering or are you trying to get them not, to get something like that? Not yet. Not yet. I mean, as I said, I haven't been looking as much Taylor Swift, Swift props right now, as much <laughs> as working on those art projects that I've been, uh, yeah. I've been trying to get ready for the big oh, day. Okay. Sorry. Cool. There's okay. Wait, 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 main color of Reba McIntyre's hat. She's Ooh. singing the anthem. Oh man. Red for the teams plus 200. This is some, do we some... know Reba's wearing a hat for sure, or is she just like a hat lady and she always wears a hat? I don't know Reba McIntyre, but uh, that's an amazing prop. What color is her hat going to be? I haven't done research on that. What's black at? Plus 350? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh. Red plus 200, brown plus 300, black plus 350. Sorry to interrupt you, but... No, no, I'm just looking for some like silly, silly prop because that's what we watch the Super Bowl. No one cares about the game. You want to bet on the coin toss, betting on the anthem length, how many times they're going to show Taylor Swift. That's what we want to bet on. So. By the way, the Swift number for the last two games has been five in both. How many times they showed her? Yeah. 
five uh five has been the number and i know that because we actually i said the story yesterday we had a bet for the bills chiefs game and the line was five and it ended up being a push and then it was five again for the uh for the afc championship game there'll be more taylor for the uh for the game for the super bowl for sure um yeah and and i will suggest this can we just assume that this is going to be a record-setting Super Bowl crowd? Yes. A second record-setting Super Bowl TV audience? Because, um, the, the dude, the Swifties are so all in on the Chiefs now. It, it is the best. I mean, you look, at, you look at some of these girls' Twitter feeds, and it's like 99% pictures and stuff about Taylor Swift, and then all of a sudden just something like, F the Ravens, no class. No disrespect or something like that. They're getting him into football. I, uh, I think it's going to be great. But yeah, the combination. And she's mm-hmm. going to leave Tokyo right after her show. <laughs> fly, <laughs> fly from Tokyo to Vegas. The good thing is though, there's a 17 hour time difference. So she's going to leave at like 11 at night, or call it midnight Tokyo time, and is going to get to Vegas at 6 p.m. Because I guess there's the international dateline or whatever. Bottom line is 17 hour difference. So she should be there Sunday night. Maybe go out with Travis for a nice dinner, get her beauty sleep, and then get ready to put the red on and uh, see the Chiefs and the Niners do their thing in the Super Bowl. Um, We We were worried, man. I was so worried. She wasn't going to be able to be at the game. Well, and and you know what? This is also going to be her 13th game of the season. And, um, I'm not sure how versed you are with Taylor Swift, but 13 is her lucky number. 13 is... <laughs> yeah, you know that now? <laughs> oh, for sure. Like, I'm not I'm not entirely convinced that she is not some side of some sort of, like, a sorceress or something like that. But there's a lot of wild things going in. The numerology in the Sw- on the Swifty streets about the Chiefs, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's next level right now. And as well, I said, it all points it all points to good things for the uh, all points to good things for the for the squad. I heard there was a flight from a KC to Vegas where the they numbered it on one way is eighty seven and on the other way it's nineteen eighty nine, uh, eighty seven for Travis Kelsey and nineteen eighty nine for Taylor Swift's album. So I love look, it. I love it. Are you going to be watching? You know, think Travis Kelsey. Is there a bet? Is he going to be at the Grammys? On Sunday when she performs? I was thinking about that. Now, Sunday night, they're pr- I guess the team probably is leaving. It, I don't think so. Monday morning? Or do they, are they there? When's, what day's media day? Is that Monday or Tuesday? It's probably Monday night. I assume the Grammys is in California? Yeah, it's like probably in LA. in LA. It's usually in, in LA. I can, I'll, I'll double check. You know what? Listen, if she can rip back from Tokyo to Vegas, I'm sure Travis can pop in just for a nice oh, little it's evening a, in L.A. It's at Crypto.com Arena. Is it still called Crypto.com it's, Arena? It's is shocking, that still a thing? Shockingly, it is still called Crypto.com <laughs> are, are, are there Are they paying in Bitcoin? Like, do there are there uh, are their payments clearing? Yeah, I don't know how long that's gonna last, but that's what it's called. So. Uh, I'm curious to see if Travis is going to make it. I don't know if you can bet on that, but I think, like, what if he went on stage uh, with her during the thing? So I'm pretty invested. 
it is like a, it is like a movie. This relationship, we're all invested in it. So I don't know if they're gonna but gonna be on the field with a proposal or anything after. But a lot of conversations, and I'm I'm all for the exposure. It's giving the NFL. You're seeing record ratings across the board in a time where TV viewership is certainly down. Uh, this is fantastic. It's the best. Uh, I, and you know what? I said on this program, and I was sort of tongue-in-cheek joking when I said it, but the combination of the Chiefs' kingdom coming together with the Swifties was the most mm-hmm. unstoppable force in the universe. You're not wrong. I think I was right. Mm-hmm. I think I was right. And uh, we're seeing it. Right. By the way, great question for you, Remo, in chat. How does Remo feel about 17 time zones? Like, we're... <laughs> how, how is she going to be? I mean, we've, we've learned a lot about what one yeah. or two time zones can do to someone. What happens when someone is making a trip over a 17 time zone difference? I think she'll be ready. She's got to look, she's not going to be a lot of people on that plane. I'm sure she'll get to lie down like a real bed or something. You're still on a plane, so it certainly affects you. But you have that Super Bowl adrenaline. I think Taylor is going to be okay when she's yeah. in the box for the Super Bowl. However many times, I'm curious who's going to be in the box. I don't know if you can bet on if Zach Calaris is going to be bet if Zach Calaris is going to be in the box with them. <laughs> Did we know is Darren Cameron hinting anything on Twitter? Because he knew he was going to that game and didn't, didn't prepare us. So Yeah, uh, well, I'll, I'll, be, uh, I'll, be hitting up, uh, I'll be hitting up DT, uh, DC uh, for some of that. Let's see. There's some funny other th- zones. Us off the deep end. Hey, I'm not. I'm not on the off the deep end. I'm just all in with all of the Chiefs' kingdom, of which the Swifties are part of it. Um, and Sklarty, it'll be good to get the Super Bowl out of the way so Taylor can commence a run for president. I'm not sure that's happening, but I'll tell you what. I think you need to. Uh, if you want to get to the Eras Tour, you better do it because you know what's going to happen after that. There's probably. You know, I, I said that this was the most important and greatest love story of the century. 100%. Which it now is for sure. Again, all these things that I said sort of tongue-in-cheek joking at the start are actually coming to fruition. Um, but, I mean, they're both 36. Like, I was a little nervous that this might mean Kelsey retires. And, hey, if we can get another... The Chiefs can get another year out of Kelsey. Great. Um but man, if they can win this game and you think of the playoffs that he's having, the game that he had last week, it might be tempting to walk away. But uh, I don't know if I'm going to get in the on-field proposal markets, which are already up there right now. I have a feeling you probably will maybe stay away from that. But I wouldn't be surprised if this does ending up a happily ever after for all parties in- involved. Uh, most importantly, Chiefs fans uh, to a week Sunday in the Super Bowl. But I think for all the Swifties as well. And yes, thanks for all the comments on the art that I posted yesterday on Twitter. Put a lot of work into that one and uh, really appreciate everyone enjoying it the way uh, the way that they have. Um, all right. Well, we got two games tonight. We'll check that out. As I said, Moose on tonight. So check out the Manitoba Moose playing in Rockford. Shout out to the Fink for popping on with us. And uh, tomorrow, is uh, Marat coming on tomorrow, uh, Remo? Marat's traveling. Okay. Um, so he's going to go. We had to move some stuff around. Marat's traveling, so he's Friday. Ken 
Thursday. He's in Mexico. I was oh, like, Ken. Mexico, Kenny on location? Yes. Yeah. I was like, Ken, you don't have to do like you're in Mexico. No, he's like, no, it's fine. He's golfing Friday, of course. The MB golf tour goes yeah. to Mexico. MX golf tour. <laughs> yeah. And Billick will join. I have to talk to Brandon about what works for him. And we'll talk with um, John Maddish from The Score, the guy everyone says looks like Seth Rogen. <laughs> but he's got an article out on The Score about uh, NHL expansion. Uh, you know, why or why not? It's a good thing for the league. I believe that was the premise. So, And, you know, trade deadline stuff and the Jets, all yeah. that. But. He he messaged me. He's like, "Hey, I got this thing about expansion. I guess maybe you saw my tweet. My tweet tweeting about. He said the case is for and against, but I saw my tweet about the records going back to the Jets if the yes. Coyotes get moved. As I said, I've told you this is all. This is not about expansion right now, folks. This is about the Coyotes moving to a barn that holds more than forty five hundred people next year, uh, and it looks like Utah is that team. Uh, and then what happens after that?" Um, but anyways, we'll get to it tomorrow. Um, we'll also talk some bombers. Um, we'll have to get maybe we'll have to get Ted on this week too. Lots of big curling news. Scotty's field set. You know that I love that uh, Scotty's tournament of hearts, uh, as well as many of you do. Caitlin Law is representing Manitoba, uh, but there's going to be a ton of Manitoba's team now that it's the expanded field. Caitlin's won Manitoba. Kate Cameron's going to be skipping a, a Manitoba rink. The queen herself, well, the two queens, Carrie Anderson four-time straight champion and of course jennifer jones also there as well so um we'll get to that later on this week i think we're gonna have rob vanstone on he's got a really neat book on uh maskless goalies um so we're gonna have rob on and uh find as well D- did i see in the chat that there's been a move in the play-by-play booth of the saskatchewan rough riders oh yeah um this was big justin dunk tweeting this breaking news out you know, during the show, and yes, uh, Michael Ball being replaced as radio voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Here it is from Justin Dunk. He will continue to host Sports Cage, but they're going in a different direction for the play-by-play. So that's some wow, CFL. Are you... the real ballsy. Well, yeah. I, I mean, listen, I thought he was a little bit of a wild man and sort of unhinged but i won't do a touchdown dance for someone losing a job or anything like that we know how we all know how much that sucks um i guess it's good that he's still doing the sports cage or whatever but uh i'll I'll give him i'll give him credit for one thing he is passionate about the riders and is definitely ride or die um I personally wouldn't mix it up on the uh, Twitter streets as much as he did with a lot of fans. But um, anyways, he'll still be able to get uh, to uh, host a show every day and talk about the riders. So I guess we'll see who, uh, I guess we'll see who is going to be uh, the new uh, rider voice. Um, Of course, uh, Derek Taylor was that guy. He left, Ballsy is in, and now Ballsy is out uh, going forward. One last thing, McRib Day. McRib is back, Remus. Yeah, I'm not really a big McRib guy. I saw they had the crispy honey chicken. I wanted to try that. I never I've did. I've heard that's awesome. Uh, the the, uh, the crispy honey McChicken. Yeah. I think they brought it once to the old station, and I like, had a sample there, but I'm not super hyped McRib. with McRib. I will say, though, if you're going to go do it, make sure you get the app, because if you're going there without the app, you're doing it wrong. 
you're getting hosed. You know, I talk about this with my friends all the time. The prices of fast food these days, obscene. Um, I remember a lot of inflation. A lot lot of there's no more, you know, truer that shows inflation. Nothing shows inflation more than when I go to fast food expecting my value picks meal to you know be five dollars, and they're telling me it's ten, and I'm like, what's going on here? So, um. It's it's wild out there. I feel for all the teenagers who just get their license and need something to do, and you go through the the drive through and they're they're gouging you there. Used to be used to be a lot cheaper back when uh, I used to go. So get that. Make sure you get the app. Save save yourself some money. Yeah, uh, that is nice. Joel Kevinson, the uh, hot and honey uh, chicken is the bomb. I have heard that it's really good, and that's actually surprising that I have not tried that yet. Um, hey, I'm I'm McRib for life. I'm very fired up about it. I and I didn't know this was happening. I saw a CTV news report two days ago out of I believe Saskatchewan that it was coming back Canada wide this week, uh, and then I saw a bunch of tweets yeah, about it today. That was so. a news report or an ad yeah, or a commercial? Yeah. CTV <laughs> news. No, no, CTV news. Are CTV you paid news. for that? This is where. I, you know, this is the state of Big J journalism today. You know what? Maybe they're just going for the things people want. Everyone's been talking about it. McRib is back. So, yes, there will be a McRib in my future. But it does get me thinking, and I know people are looking for a rant. Remus, you and I have been in lockstep on this ever since I met you. Wendy's. Yeah. Every year, every year in January... You know, a lot of places will maybe introduce like a healthier item um, or, you know, Subway's pushing, hey, get healthy and whatnot. Because people sort of like, oh, you've been partying and you've been eating all this great food all the holidays. you got to lose 10 pounds. It's not normally a fast food time. So what does Wendy's do? That's when Wendy's drops, in my opinion, the number one burger in the fast food game, the bacon portobello mushroom melt. At Wendy's, which is the best. I, I can't say it, it, it enough about how great of a burger it is. If you haven't tried it, I highly recommend it. But then they only bring it back for like six to eight weeks. And I was telling Dusty earlier today, Remo, in the lock shop, that I remember doing a sponsorship meeting with the guy that was the franchisee for Winnipeg. This is probably 15 years ago. And whatever, we talk about whatever we're doing. And then I said, listen, I got to ask you, dude, like what is up with the bacon mushroom melt only coming for like six weeks? It's the best. And he goes, I know, I know. Um, I guess Wendy's as a company looks at this time where sales typically drop and that's when they throw out the bacon mushroom melt. So you can't resist it. Anyone that's tried it knows how good it is. And you go and get it. And you're back in the Wendy's game for those two months that you said you were going to stay away and maybe eat a little healthier. The question is, why not put this thing on the menu 12 months a year and give the people what they want? Uh, They have resisted up until this point. It is around right now, but it's going to leave. But it was such a contentious issue within Wendy's franchisees that there were some Wendy's franchisees that loaded up on the mushrooms and the cheese sauce ream and actually went rogue and offered the bacon mushroom melt beyond the normal time frame that Wendy's was willing to offer it. 
This really um, gets me angry. I'm a big fan of the bacon mushroom melt. It's the best, one of the best fast food burgers. And yeah, it's only offered for a limited time. It's better than the Baconator. And I don't know why they don't make this their flagship burger. And they just, you know, tease you with this two months. So every time Wendy's Canada tweets out it's back, I'm there commenting, make it a permanent, make it a permanent menu item, make it a permanent menu item. And like, so I've done this for years. And now that it's back now, I don't know, Wendy's, whoever runs their social media, I think went through some old Instagram posts from like years ago. And then just like hit like on one of my comments that was so <laughs> old about it. Just like poking me. I don't understand. Like, if you, such a, if you have such a great burger, why not offer it as part of the regular menu? The so. people, what they want. Tristan Rivers music. Oh, the mushroom melt worked on me. I've had it twice, and I'm currently on a huge health kick. Uh, yes, exactly. And I see some people, like Son of Dirk and Miller Time Musher Gross. Let, let me be clear with you, folks. I am not a mushroom guy. I have never asked for mushrooms on anything. I guess now that I'm older, I might have a you know a nice grilled mushroom with a steak or something like that. But mushrooms have never been in my wheelhouse something that I liked until the bacon mushroom melt came along. And it's just, it is perfect. It is perfect. I usually love onions so much. I put onions on a bacon mushroom melt once. It just didn't work. It just didn't work. Just do not, you just can't screw with something that is as close to perfect. And as a fast food connoisseur, I will tell you that that bacon mushroom melt is at the top of my power pole, but only for about six weeks because then they take it away until the new year, which, which still irks me. If anyone has any contacts with the Wendy's folks, put them in touch with us. We need to, we need to make a plea and uh, to someone that can really make a difference. Yeah, for the people, <laughs> for the people. Yeah, uh, seriously. All right. Well, in that in that case, you know who is doing something for the people? McDonald's is apparently bringing the McRib back. So if you if you're a supporter of McRib, get at one today, and uh, I will do that. But trust me, there'll be another bacon mushroom melt coming up soon. Um, ah, always love a little fast food chat to end the program. Um, that's gonna do it for us, gang. Oh my man, hard to believe on such a dead day we still ended up going on way long. I yeah, I thought we were going to end early, but just kept going. <laughs> Apparently not. There were important topics that needed to be discussed after the show and the Cool Bet Lines. Gang, have a great night tonight. Enjoy the weather. It is freaking gorgeous outside right now. Get outside if you can. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. John Mattis, uh, more Jets talk at the offseason, a little bit of Bombers and CFL free agency. So uh, don't miss it. And, uh, of course, we'll look ahead to Kyle Connor and Connor Hellebuck and Rick Bonus being at the All-Star Game as well as we get closer to the weekend as well. Thanks to our guest, Dan Fink with the Moose, 7 o'clock tonight, Moose in Rockford. Um, of course, Dennis Bernstein and Mike McIntyre. And, of course, thanks to Michael Remus behind the scenes. You all have a great one, and uh, we'll catch you tomorrow right here on WST. Oh, my God! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.